0: self care Uh, it's, I see it finally, it's like going to wineries, what the fuck is self care, yeah, I think I get it, but like what is it, what the fuck is self care it's like really high threat counts, and not sleeping on a bed couch, yeah, yeah it's not uh being at a rave where they're playing very loud dead mouse, yeah uh, <laughs> what the fuck is self care, it's like Shit smells good and fine wood. What the fuck is self-care in my hood? Nobody sells that shit, so I don't know how I could. What the fuck is self-care? I think that's most of it. I didn't have to freestyle.
1: Welcome to the podcast with my co-host, who has uh, the biggest head. In po- wrestling podcasting, uh, according to uh, some sources I just got uh, before we started recording. Yeah, yeah and, in- inside sources uh, yes. that I would have a big head, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just uh, just received this information before we started recording. Um, Quentin, this week we are Smile Forever uh, because we have got some somber news to open up with. Um, two major losses to the European wrestling scene. Um One that was, I think, hit both of us pretty hard. The other one as well, but the other one maybe not as out of nowhere, at least to me. It felt very out of nowhere uh, for the passing of Ryan Smile. Um, Nothing out there officially, but here's some people talk about. I I heard it even directly framed or saw it directly framed as he lost his battle with with mental health. So you take from that what you will, but to me that kind of speaks of one thing. Um, And I guess... The one, like I said, not as surprising, just because he kind of knew that he had had you no know, long-term battle with cancer in um, Christian Beck. Um, Karsten Beck. Karsten Beck. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, what coming out of it, Quentin? I don't know, like thoughts first kind of. Yeah. What, what do you, What do you think here?
2: Uh, yeah, just really tough blows to the European wrestling scene back to back. Um, I think a day with I think a day is within each other um first Ryan Smile that that uh, that really hit me hard especially knowing that for some people Ryan Smile they might just know him as the dude that ran Lucha forever and then um the belief is he absconded with a bunch of money um but for me and you, when people that are more versed in the scene and the scene's history before certain events and before WWE came into the picture, we know that Ryan Smile was a very big part in OTT, in OTT's rise, and was really the, t- like the king of the Tivoli, um, OTT's first home, as they were starting to get their buzz, and Ryan Smile began to appear there appear appear there less and less. Um Rev Pro bookings less and less and would work smaller indie shows after his name had kinda gotten attached to some bad things. And now we're here and I don't know for some people I know that they always can't always like forgive or forget what someone you know someone's lowest moments but I, I don't know man for me Ryan Smile like when I think of Ryan Smile for the most part like I always think of he was OTT's first like real made baby face and I know that there are other people that were there in their beginnings that helped build the help build the company in the years before Ryan was um even part of it but I can't talk OTT history without mentioning Ryan Smile and anyone that says otherwise is fooling themselves and Ryan's a guy that I thought would've had a bigger career honestly I thought that he was a guy that would've had PWG bookings, stuff in the States happen, and it just never really worked out for him the way that I thought it would, mm-hmm. being a charismatic, uh, you know, charismatic high flyer but yeah, the Ryan Smile one really caught me off guard, and still now I don't have a lot of words for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's the guy, like, he, when you talk about OTT, he dethroned Pete Dunne from his kind of, you know, I want to say legendary, but, you know, historic, well-thought-about OTT title run. And, and you talk about it, but Pete Dunne starts out as a heel and kind of develops into being one of the most over babyfaces by the end of that title run but but ryan smile was the like you said the guy who felt like ott made kind of babyface star like kind of came from you'd heard of him um here and there one of the original members of the anti-fun police um really from a different era of the anti-fun police and and kind of for
2: you know we know you know the the era with travis banks like you know it's it's (laughs) like a really fun era of the anti fun police
1: well i was gonna say even before that when it was a little bit more uh, not to say serious but a little bit i don't know i preferred it a little bit more before it went a little bit over the top cartoony 100 percent comical um where everything they did was clearly like they're in on a joke i mean they're all they were always in on a joke but not as overtly and i think that early on they were still trying to be heels that the concept was funny and not be funny themselves kind of is what it turned into um and i mean even predated that obviously predated that as being a tag team partner of damian dunn even before it was the anti-fun police so that was kind of like the anti-fun police thing grew out of their a different tag team that they were in together so uh yeah, big part of that, and a guy who like, on those attack shows would like go from the anti-fun police filling in stuff and and playing the heel character to then also having big time dream matchups and and just big you know matchups in general to show off high spots and, and his his his
2: his red his pro cruiserweight stuff
1: yeah Rev pro stuff uh southside um wrestling entertainment um you know like. Cruiserweight rent or whatever they call it, like anti gravity or whatever they called their their title and their that big tournament that they would run every, run every year. He would have big showings in there, and you said it. You know, when you expected more of his career, and it's the same thing. I mean, he had times off and on, and he would disappear for long periods of time, and show back up, and there would be drama, and there would be stuff posted online, and you know, pulling himself from shows, and rumors and stories being told here and there, but then. I always thought that he would be one of these guys that would eventually figure it out and, and mature and grow up and put it together and, and actually get, like you said, that, that chance to to show what he could do. And I kind of always expected that to happen. And, I mean, 32, 32 years old. It's That's no age at all. I mean, he's so young and, and to be gone and to leave behind a family, um, a wife, a uh, Young, uh,
2: yeah, a a baby, man. This, I was gonna, so I was gonna, so two things. I feel like, despite the rocky ending to Lucha Forever, to put it mildly, I think that people oftentimes forget the good that Lucha Forever did for a lot of people from the beginnings of Aussie Open to what it did for CCK to the stuff to what it did for Chris uh you know, keeping Mark Haskins busy as the bigger promotions started to move away from him. I mean, um, his heel doing run stuff in, like, Lucha Forever, do, doing right? stuff. Okay, was oh, uh, do, like doing stuff for Omari and um, and uh, Drew Parker. Like, like a lot of guys got got their biggest matches and biggest feuds and their biggest spotlight working for Lucha Forever, and I feel like that just can't get this can't get discounted here,
1: right? And um, Kip Sabian. Yeah, and on AEW TV, he kind of got his first big exposure that people were paying attention to on Lucha Forever. Um, and like I was saying, I mean, you said Mark Haskins keeping Mark Haskins busy, but that Mark Haskins heel run became kind of the the prototype for what became the Mark Haskins heel run all over the UK Indies. That mm-hmm. that he became one of the top stars after after his return, and and it was kind of like there was that feeling of what can this guy do now. Because he's already was at his peak as a babyface and got the legs cut out from underneath that run, like no one's gonna ever want to boo him again. And then like it happened, and they were able to put it together, and he was able to have a a really good heel run coming out of that. And uh, Shotenfroyed Graps, the you know the biggest t-shirt company in UK wrestling, the Freud Boys, like their Tuesday night Graps live streams and all that stuff, it comes directly from Lucha Forever. Lucha Forever was doing. The Tuesday Night Graps thing. That was their thing. Schottenford directly took that branding and that vibe of, like, fun, friends, hanging out kind of wrestling show. And you could say that that was, like, what Fight Club did, too. But, I mean, Fight Club hadn't fully become that to that, to that level and, it, and, and it's and it's,
2: and, and it's different from doing that and, like, from, like, you know, the Fight Club Pro old, like, basement-looking venue... To doing it in like the frog and bucket, like it's it, it it is a big difference, right?
1: So yeah, so it becomes they kind of yeah they kind of created that that genre that then became like the thing. Um, I mean maybe not to say create, but they definitely opened it up and 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 it came out of um. Flow Slam, right? They they kind of started the company because of Flow Slam was offering a bunch of money to a bunch of different people, and they they showed up to uh to get some of that money and and. So it was like, ah, eh, well, are you really that bummed when it, like, went under and whatever maybe supposedly shady things happen and all this? I mean, the promotion was a grift from the start. You can't be upset when a grifter grifts you, right? I mean, that's just how it works. Um, it's, uh, don't, uh, what is it? Don't be, uh, don't be upset that you got fooled just to uh, you know, try to remember and enjoy the ride I guess would be kind of the thing. Just like, yeah. like
2: you Yeah, like, like I think people do forget how lengthy they were to Float, to flow Slam, and if FlowSlam Slam was already on shaky ground. With their inception, what right. did you think Lucha Forever was going to do when FlowSlam Slam had their problems?
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, that... Co- um, Lucha Forever was ahead. directly started just to grift off of FlowSlam. Slam. That was it. I mean, there, the company did not exist except for to be a Flow Slam property. And then when FlowSlam Slam closed, they tried to keep it going, but again, what the fuck did you expect? Um.
2: Um. Okay, so I was going to say... Uh, so one thing that's made me think about is like... We've, we've touched on serious topics here before. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm springing this on you unexpectedly. But at some point, do we have a line between accountability and cyberbullying? Like Ryan Smile is a guy that a lot of his, I guess, real life personality uh, kept him from doing certain things. Progress openly talked about not booking Ryan Smile because of his attitude and behavior. I remember seeing Ryan smile and Alex Windsor make comments that were unsavory online. And, um, I, I remember Ryan smile. I forgot what it was. Ryan smile getting booed at an attack show as a baby face following whatever it was that had that, that had happened on Twitter or, what, or whatever that was. Yeah. And I guess to you and I know I'm speaking to someone that believes in transformative justice and all that kind of stuff. But where is the line between thinking you're holding someone accountable for their actions and then cyberbullying them?
1: I mean, that's the issue, right? When it comes down to it, it's it's the social media and it's the it's the separation there. And it's not even just that you can be anonymous, but also that you can be not technically part of the community, right? For like community police policing, like the idea that you're to be held accountable, I think you need to be held accountable by again, like people that are in the community, people that are directly affected by your actions. And unfortunately social media in the online space, you just get people who may have issues, may just have a lot of free time on their hands and decide that, like, this is going to be their cross to bear, that they're just going to dog on someone forever and never let it go. The internet has a long memory, you know? The internet does not forgive and forget, I think.
2: Yeah, it it, it does not at all.
1: Yeah. I think that historically, I mean, I've heard people kind of talk about this, historically things would be in print, and then that would be it. It's like it's in a newspaper. It comes out, and then it disappears, and it doesn't hound you for the rest of your life because people can constantly look it up. And I think that that's a big part of the issue. So, accountability, cyberbullying, it's all linked up to I think the same issue, which is not necessarily cyberbullying per se, but that the technology and the systems that we have uh, just don't work <laughs> with like what's best for hu- with, for people. In society and unfortunately like I kind of you know I buy into maybe like the grill pill the the honk pill the clown world thing not a little bit not the clown world thing gets a little bit bad and stupid and stuff but the idea that like you should log off and like the internet is not real life and getting too caught up in the internet I think can make people kind of have the most negative parts of their personalities come out and I think that unfortunately that's where that's at so I think that I think that the problem with like accountability and all that is that like versus cyberbullying is that I don't think that you really truly get accountability from anything that you're doing online I think accountability happens in real life in the community face to face and I think that people just like to get online and get riled up and, and just complain about stuff constantly and guess you're entitled to say whatever you want and Ryan Smile or whoever else that feels like they're being unfairly treated could like they they could take the same advice and they could log off. You know what I mean? Rather than taking it personally, but
2: I mean, of course, but at the same time like you know, these are people that rely on social interaction and connection with people in order to do their job. Right. Like it's different from being a regular person every day, every day that works on 9 to 5. And they, have a, and they have a tweet that goes viral for bad reasons, and telling them to log off. Like, yeah, their li- their li- their life may not be entirely revolved around interacting with people, but for someone in this entertainment profession, like you're being online. So, like, I don't know if that's a fair thing to ask of someone that's in this kind of uh, in this kind of line of work.
1: Right. No, no, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I was kind of playing devil's advocate there for the person who would maybe argue against me. Um, you know what I mean? To say like, oh, well, you say that about the people who pick on him, but why, what about him himself? And, and you kind of make the counter, you made the counterpoint there pretty, pretty astutely, which is that if you're doing it as a profession, I mean, theoretically, we move forward and <laughs> something like a social media manager or, or, or someone who handles that kind of promotion stuff for you could exist. More even it for smaller time people to where like you don't have to deal directly with it. They also have like all of this stuff now where you can really like edit and censor who can deal with your stuff. Um, you know, there's celebrities who are getting a lot smarter about like the idea that you just go on there and you say whatever you're saying and you do whatever you're doing, but you're not on there to interact. You know, and maybe something like the what the origin of like the OnlyFans model. It's so very funny because we were just talking with uh, with Alicia, my wife, um, last night about uh, the Bella Thorne stuff and how OnlyFans original model was supposed to be like a premium social media that you paid for, where paying meant that the celebrities would interact with you, and maybe something like that where it's more catered and it's actually you have to have some skin in the game to be able to like. Interact with them with with people who are the public figures like that that you choose to to where you're not going to get the trolls who Are just bored and looking for something to do It's like you have to be invested and actually have put money on the line for this so you're not going to Waste your money just so that you can dunk on someone. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of different things that can that can be the future of this but the biggest issue is that we basically because because we don't have any regulations because we're like, you know, this free Free market economy. This this country that loves its freedom. I know that uh, Brock Yonke from uh, Psychology is dead. Maybe he wasn't on the recent episode, but he's definitely been your longtime co-host on there. Is reading that book about the libertarians taking over that city in uh, New Hampshire where the bears take over because libertarians don't believe in rules about keeping bears away, um, and that's like very much part of the American ethos. And and social media and the internet um, is like letting the bears loose basically because they just like dropped it on us and they didn't have any regulations or any protections or check to see, make sure that they're not releasing something that's dangerous for people because, Oh, it's just on the computer and it's not going to, you know, mess with people's brain chemistry and, and take advantage of like built in characteristics of the human psyche that makes you like crave.
2: Yeah. Or or like, or or like keep in mind or like keep in mind, like intrapersonal relationships still exist. And like, I'm not sure if that was like, you know, even a talking point or like a word or like that existed back when they are creating MySpace and shit or AOL chat rooms that these things really, really, really do take a hold of you. And not only that, but now as society progresses and people who have any modicum of fame can now at any moment when a transgression, a mistake, lapse in judgment, bad tweet, bad opinion, whatever it is is shared and made public for everyone to see that this goes beyond like them being able to see it on a screen and just shut the screen off this then affects everything about them them being able to find work and then directly affecting their income this is a real thing
1: yeah. no it is it, and that's a that's a great point I mean it feels I was on the internet from when I was very young I was on the internet from when people didn't have the internet and it it was fun and stupid and you could do whatever And but you kind of knew it was low stakes and in the end it wasn't going to matter. It was you, it was me and the boys and we were just having fun posting. You know what I mean? That's what the internet was. And now that's not. Now the internet is everything. The entire world is the fucking internet. Everyone's on there and all of that posting and all that stuff really does matter. And again, like I was saying, like there's just, there was no oversight and there was no protections and it's The wild west out there it's it's it really is just like the wild west it's the new frontier because there's like they're trying to catch up and they're starting to try to put in some regulations and make some stuff but america is fucking crazy man and we don't like our freedoms being taken away so if you change the the rules in the middle of the game and you say well now you can and can't do this and that people get really fucking mad and people start talking about their freedoms and what you know what does it mean but when you have stuff like this and and who knows i mean I don't know the details. I don't know what really happened. I don't. I don't even know what the cause of death was. Neither one of us knows, you know. But you hear these stories. You have Hanakamura, which is almost all but confirmed. Exactly, it was because of online that everything that happened. And.
2: And for what, if what is worth, like someone that was very close to Ryan and Will Osprey, said like the yo know, like shit came directly from him. Is that like this, you know, this is a result of people bullying someone online so even if we don't want to assume and don't want to feel like we're making rash judgments even even the people closest to Ryan smile people that went beyond being colleagues with them are, are saying that this is this is what this is what happened
1: and so yeah it's just that's where the point where like I said like, or like I was saying like taking away your freedoms is one thing if it's supposedly these perceived freedoms that you get from being able to say and do whatever you want online, versus lives being lost and you know i don't know what the answer is i know that i have i have two very young nieces but i have one particularly who's getting to the age that she's online and she's having fun you know with her friends playing roblox and doing all this stuff and it's like
2: her exactly what my exactly what my my sisters do at 12 years old
1: and her mom is doing a good job keeping her protected but that's there's going to be a point where it's that's not the case anymore And I just, I don't know what I would do if, you know, she gets to a point where anything weird like this happens, where she's getting bullied or picked on or or even just perceiving it if it's nothing even real, you know? And I would rather have them say, like, you're going to be held a little bit accountable for for making weird threats or just posting, you know? And that's fucking crazy for me to say something like that because, like I said, I'm like an old school 4chaner. I'm like one of these people that was on something awful and and like but now looking at it it's just like yeah like there should be some kind of like protections because this shit can't just be allowed to just happen and it's really hard you can't like set an age limit you can't say like oh you have to be <laughs> 18 21 to be able to be online because even still Ryan Smile was 32 years old I don't think that there would be any place no. on the world where they would say you're not allowed online until you're 40 you know what I mean like what the fuck
2: yeah I, I, I don't know it's it's definitely one of those things it's a, it's, it's one of those things where you feel like you know, like you believe in certain things and you believe in holding people accountable for their bad actions for bad statements and everything and then this is one of those moments where like and obviously i don't like <laughs> identify as like some kind of moderate, like, you know some kind of like centrist or whatever but it's like there's the reality of like life, like being somewhere in the gray area where like you feel, we feel like we're so right by holding people accountable in our eyes for their actions in every waking moment of their online lives, and then this happens and it's like, okay, so like where like where, like, where do we go now from right. this?
1: And I guess you know you have to learn, you have to try to take from this what you can and learn and, but try to not be a dick about it. You know and not use this stuff as like bad faith as a cudgel to protect or or defend someone who's just being shitty like the osprey stuff and i i said this in the slack chat but it really broke my heart and i didn't take the time to like follow up and look into it but i just could hear fucking dave Meltzer using this as another thing to be like and osprey's just had such a tough year he had his, his one of his best friends died you know what i mean And it's from cyberbullying, and Osprey's dealt with cyberbullying all year because he's been constantly fucking harping on just how rough of a year Osprey's had. You know what I mean? And 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 it's like that stuff. It's just like I'm, I'm sorry, but like comparing Hanukkah Mora stuff to people picking on Osprey for you know the stuff going on with him and and things like that. And it's just again, it's just like I think just have your own accountability and maybe not use it as a uh, as an excuse or like an example for other situations, but just maybe use it as an example for yourself to govern the way that you act. And, and that's it. You know what I mean? And not try to use it as yeah. a cudgel or anything else.
2: Uh, moving on. Uh, we talked, we mentioned Karsten back. Um, nothing confirmed, but we know that Karsten back was a long time, uh, yeah. cancer survivor and fighter and re re, re- rehabbed and, uh, got enough therapy and felt good enough at, uh, at various points to come back and be a on-screen personality for WXW. And really the on-screen personality for the boom of WXW when things really started to take off for them. And some people might no- only know Karsten of that way, but as people that know the history of WXW and have watched a lot of stuff dating back to when Karsten was an active and ring performer, we know that Karsten was one of the heaviest pushed, heaviest featured acts in WXW. You could not talk about the WXW unified title without Karsten Beck somewhere be, being involved somewhere in that. And I think that like, he he wasn't someone that blew up, you know, health health uh health issues derailed his, derailed his career. He's not someone that became one of the faces of the European wrestling scene, boom. But Carson is someone you can't forget. His impact and his legacy when it comes to talking about WXW and just how prominent that guy was up until he just couldn't wrestle anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, preeminent, you know, champion, like you said. A uh, you know, couple different legendary big time reigns with the WXW heavyweight championship or the unified championship I guess um tag team champion um I saw some stuff kind of talking comparing talking about him with um kind of the ring comp ethic edict which he, he was he was never officially a member but he was part of um the mind stable which in like a weird way you could say it was kind of a predecessor or kind of a, a yeah a, a pre-stable that led into the kind of ring comp thing um, so yeah, definitely a a big part of the history of WXW, a founding father, legacy of WXW person. He's um, a very very kind of important part of the history of the company, um, an important part of that wrestling style. That uh,
2: th- probably, probably probably other than Walter, probably the most like notorious heel in WXW definitely. history. Other other than other than Walter's big runs.
1: Yeah, um, and then maybe Pollock. Um, just like historically as both a wrestler and a manager. But yeah, like those three would be your Mount Rushmore of heels for WXW, with it probably being um, Pollock like third, I would say. Um, And and Beck being like number two, maybe even number one, depending on how you feel, especially about Walter kind of being kind of back and forth a little bit more. But Beck was a good babyface as kind of the commissioner. He played the babyface authority figure kind of character. I don't know what his official title was um but uh yeah definitely a big loss and a guy who like you said people will not a lot of people will not be familiar with his in ring unfortunately uh wxw now has pretty much everything from wxw's past that you can go check out um so you can go back and kind of look through the history to see um his stuff but another one a bummer but uh what well, was not a bummer <laughs> was this insane weekend of wrestling that happened last weekend, Quentin. Um, was there anything, anything else you wanted to hit on before we move on to the uh, the collective? It's a lot.
2: Uh, no, um, I didn't get the chance to watch the N1 Final, the Champions Carnival Final, yet. So I'll be watching those probably when I get off of here. Um, fair warning, I only show that I watched in full pretty much is SUP. Okay. And, everything else, and everything else I did... Cherry, I, I did cherry pick. So I, I've seen something from at least everywhere except AIW. Okay.
1: Yeah, I picked through most of it. Um, I watched all of a few shows, but I wouldn't say that there's a lot of shows that I recommend watching all of, honestly. So you made the right choice. Um, And I will say that, unfortunately... This feels so bad. The only show that I didn't watch any of was Shimmer, and that isn't because it's women's wrestling, but it's literally because, like, I didn't think that there was a Shimmer show happening as part of the weekend.
2: I, I, I that, That's news to me. I didn't even know they ran. Yeah,
1: they ran a show on the Sunday in, like, the middle of the day, I think, before Bloodsport. And uh, I, I didn't know until late... So I kind of grabbed it, I looked through the card, and was going to check some stuff out, but I never got around to it, um, just because there's a ton to like try to get through, and I was trying to just do everything in order, and Shimmer kind of just took the back seat, unfortunately, pretty much every time I was uh, getting ready. The only thing, looking at the card pulled up here, that really looks like worth checking out And I hate to say this again, because it's like, whatever. Um, Is probably Kimberly versus Nicole Savoy the main event for the Shimmer title? Would be the only match that I would say, like, I'll go back and check out. Layla Hirsch versus Heather Monroe could be interesting. Um, Your mileage may vary on Heather Monroe. I know probably there's other people who don't like her as much as me, but me being from Southern California, I've seen her a ton, and I actually appreciate her work. Um... And then, obviously, you got AJ Gray uh, endorsing her on Twitter, saying that he wants to marry her, so, uh, you know, that's a good stamp of approval, even if it is just based on her looks, but uh, but she is, uh, she is a good wrestler, um, so I would say, you know, if you've got the time, you want to check some stuff out, check that out, because Layla Hirsch had some kick-ass matches over the weekend, too, so her and Heather Monroe probably had a good one there. Um, I'm just going to go down the line, we'll check out, we'll, we'll talk about the cards, uh, or we won't necessarily even have to talk about the cards, but... I'll just hit each show, say whatever we have to say about Seth, and then we'll move on. Sound good? All right.
2: All right. Um, okay, one, one more. I didn't see anything from 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 Effie's brunch. Okay. I didn't. I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything about that. I planned on watching the show, and then the more I looked at the card, it it it, it became I don't know harder to because we are. I'm already going through so much wrestling yeah. between this and the G1, and then trying to catch up on other uh, Japanese non New Japan stuff. That, looking at the card, that was like that was a hard cut for it's
1: me. Very fair, especially because that and a couple other shows I feel like suffered a lot from the move. There was some stuff and some mm-hmm. shows that seemed like they were going to be really good WrestleMania weekend, and then here just who's available, and kind of editing, what what the show was, really changed I think the overall quality of the show. Um, so open it up, first show of the weekend jimmy lloyd's degeneration f um surprisingly good show especially overall compared to the entire weekend um and the only reason why is because it's jimmy lloyd branded you know so i assume it's going to be shitty because jimmy lloyd is shitty right <laughs> but the show itself surprisingly good opening show of the weekend opened not i won't say open with a bang but there's a lot to like here um what uh, did you actually watch from this show, if anything?
2: Well, um, one of the matches that I did watch, <laughs> <and> I kinda, <laughs> not not well, well. two of the two of the matches I watched two matches. I watched Radrick versus Tankman, and I happened to watch Mander's versus Logan Stunt. Oh, so <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, well, yeah. So one out of two
1: ain't <laughs> bad. Um, to be honest, that Logan Stunt Mander's match is not. Great,
2: uh, yes, yeah, not. I, I, I would have expected better yeah. for sure.
1: Logan, and this is 100% gonna feel like trying to do that, like fucking you know, virtue signaling, woke signaling. Actually, I never liked him, but Logan had a surprisingly disappointing weekend. Like, I expected him to at least have a couple good showings, he had none there wasn't a single Logan stunt match on the weekend that I would say that I recommend if I'm perfect. Well, okay. That's not fair, but I think that the only, actually now I'm thinking about it. Was he even in it? I think he was in the Effie's twink battle Royal or twink gauntlet. And I'm not even sure that he was, he was in it. And that would be the only match of his that I would recommend, but not because of him. Um, so yeah, he had a surprisingly disappointing weekend. Um,
2: On top of everything. On top of also (laughs)
1: disappointing you as a human being. Um, (laughs) Or disappointing everyone as a human being. Which, I don't know. Do we even want to get into it? I think everyone... If you want to know, you can look it up. He's Logan.
2: No, just like... Hey, like... like Guys have tunnel vision when it comes to things like that. And with men, we should really be better at being considerate of somebody Mm -hmm. else. And not just assume that someone has interest in us and have complete tunnel vision with that kind of shit and we need to be better.
1: I agree. I don't wanna talk about Logan and what he did and I don't want to police any of that, but one thing I do wanna say because it really got on my nerves and I didn't I didn't know how to express it in text or whatever. And I didn't really even want to. Like put it online or or anything like that, like on Twitter. But the Larry Dallas response was I think part honestly a complete example of the problem and Larry Dallas's example or his his take on it being what are we even talking about here a girl invites you back to her car to smoke and you know she, she isn't your your friend's girlfriend or a longtime friend you shoot your shot why don't you shoot your shot and it's like because women are people and not every woman that you interact with is a chance for you to shoot your shot with. You fucking asshole. It's a, supposed to be a professional setting. She's a fucking professional and you're a professional. And just because you're interacting doesn't mean that you have to try to get in her pants. That's why you don't always just shoot your shot. And t- to, to be that the default stance is, it makes sense that a guy would be trying to get in a girl's pants in every situation no matter what is the fucking issue I mean it's the definition of toxic masculinity right it's the buzz thing it's the Not,
2: not, not only that it's like it's like so egotistical and that's like why men have such fragile egos is that like we are so egotistical that like the slight of hint of attention from a woman that we immediately assume that it must mean that they want to have sexual relationship or sexual relationship relations with us and that's such an egotistical fucking stance in view of the world to have And at some point you've got to like obviously people of all ages will do harmful abusive um shit to women taking things further than uh someone was comfortable com- was comfortable with and like any anyone of any age can do this but at some point dude larry dallas what are you you're, you're at least over 40 grow the fuck up man you're
1: advocating what
2: do you mean Shoot. what, what do you mean shooting a shot grow the fuck yeah. up like learn to like read the room learn to read somebody like don't just just don't just think that like oh we're oh shit like they're smoking which means i'm allowed to just grab this person because we're alone in this car and, like, that means that we have some kind of special connection. No, like, if that has not been explicitly stated before before that, then, like, what do you mean shoot your shot? Especially, especially in that manner. Like, not even asking. Not even, like, you just do it. Right. Grow the fuck up, man.
1: Shooting your shot is after you hung out and smoked in the car, sending her a text message later saying, hey, I had fun. That's shooting your fucking shot, not going for the grab or whatever. And it's just, it's insane. It it really is. And, and like you said, the idea, the egotistical thing of like, she wants to have sexual, like any kind of sexual interaction with me. It's like that she wants that kind of attention that she wants that. It's really fucking tough. And it's, it's been an eye opening experience for me recently, a lot, like kind of thinking about looking at things through the eyes of what it's like for other people. Obviously it's like this for everyone, but years of, of kind of coming to grips with this and it's that kind of mentality and it's that way of looking at the world that is why women don't feel comfortable in the world <laughs> making doing anything really because there's a- always some guy around who's been told that like in these situations you should be trying to shoot your shot you should always be going for it you should always if you ask a hundred women to sleep with you you know one's gonna say yes and it's just like can women just be people can we just fucking treat them like people please just try um, so yeah, that was that was my takeaway from that, which I didn't even mean to get into, but you know, it comes up.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's hard it's hard to not get worked up when we talk about right. that stuff. It's all good. Uh,
1: Roderick and Tankman was was good, uh, hard hitting, nice fight. Um, I think that this is the match that Roderick unfortunately gets injured with, um, in, and he goes on to have a pretty solid weekend, even with a fucked up leg, um, throughout the rest of the 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 tournament or the rest uh, tournament the rest of the weekend um and honestly kind of adds a little bit of a story to the cole cole radrick wild heart kind of gimmick thing of, of being that he never gave up and all the way into the last show of the weekend really he shows up hobbled out and and he may not have much of a match and i feel really bad because this felt like a weekend for cal for radrick to break out um and unfortunately he didn't get a chance to really show off because of this but at the end of the weekend, I don't feel like anybody had much of a chance to break out over this weekend just because of the presentation, but we'll talk about that uh, when we kind of maybe do some wrap-up thoughts. Um, did you have any thoughts on this match?
2: Uh, no, I thought I thought, I thought thought it was solid in the beginning of what I thought was a really strong weekend for Tankman. I thought Tankman, if I thought there was people that took this chance and took a really um, overall messed-up situation and made the most of it that they could... I thought Tankman and Lee Moriarty were the two guys that really made the most of what they could do. Yeah,
1: with this. I thought that coming out of the weekend, there was three big names that came out of the weekend that elevated their stars. Even like some who were already stars, elevated their level, and some were like maybe people had heard of them, kind of become names. And I I thought that out of those three, Tankman was the least of the three. But so like in that mm. in that comparison, I was kind of down.
2: Then then then, who, then who's other then who, who's AJ the other one Gray
1: then? feels like he comes out of this weekend okay, being yeah, the biggest okay. star in wrestling or indie wrestling basically.
2: I I kind of I kind of already had like AJ graduated, yeah. so like I yeah so I saw so yeah. But I felt right. like
1: this weekend cemented it. It was like okay. he could be the main event on every show from every promotion, and it made sense and it didn't feel forced. You know what I mean, and that was kind of the takeaway at the end of the weekend. Um, and then number two is Lee Moriarty, which you already mentioned. So it was kind of for me, it was it was Tankman being the number three of those of of the three. Um, not his fault, unfortunately. We'll talk about it later. But there was one match in particular that I thought that the setting hurt him a little bit, um, and not even necessarily the setting, but maybe the production of the show. Um, So, yeah, so, so, but yeah, you're right about that, that he had a big weekend. And I think that coming out of it, he's a guy that I think out of the three, also, he was probably the one that people were had the least buzz about. Um, so I think that he at least probably cemented to where more people are going to know the name coming out of this. Um, before, and I'm I'm glad, like,
2: they're all, they're all, like, they're all, like, such three different, drastically different wrestlers. It's
1: awesome. It's, it's one of the great things, that we'll get into it when we talk about For the Culture, but For the Culture was such a great show to have on the weekend, and I think it probably would have been better on WrestleMania weekend, but it was really cool because on top of the fact that you have three you know, black wrestlers who feel like the top stars of the weekend, and you have the For the Cultural show, you do have three completely different, unique, and show that black wrestlers can be up and down the card, can be totally different kinds of wrestlers, can wrestle totally different styles. There doesn't have to be anything about them that's similar other than the fact that they're black and they're wrestlers. You know what I mean? And there's nothing else. Yeah. Because I don't think you could find three wrestlers who are more different than those three. But, uh, but and they're the guys who feel like they're the cream rising to the top. So it's fantastic. Before this match, Trey Lamar versus JJ uh, J. Garrett. The only thing that I wanted to mention here is JJ J. Garrett looks like fucking uh, uh, Peter Casa. He was giving me big time Peter Casa vibes when Casa Man, okay. Him. So hopefully we'll see. He's not as jacked up as Casa was, but. He's got the mullet. Hopefully,
2: hopefully, hopefully, he's not transphobic Yeah, that either. would be
1: good. Because um, I was really enjoying Kasson when he was starting to peak after his, during his Dragon Gate run, and unfortunately, career gets cut short. Um, thanks, Gabe. Um, <laughs> and then after that match, Ace Austin versus Jordan Oliver. Um, Ace Austin fucking rules. <laughs> like I've heard people.
2: He's got. He's, he's got. He's, he's got a he's lot better. So
1: good. I was not, never. I n- did not like him. Kind of in the uh, Beyond days. I always kind of thought he was like goofy. Um,
2: you know what you got to remember is that, like, these guys, are, like, like these like these flying guys, they come in so young. Yeah. Like, I had that same revelation when I was watching JTG versus Trey Miguel that I remember not liking Trey Miguel when he first came around a couple of years ago. But you got to remember, like, these guys are young yeah. as hell.
1: Yeah, it's true. The smaller, high-flying guys, you really, they can get some buzz from being able to do some flips, but they're, like, teenage boys and stuff. And, like, you, they just don't know what they're doing. But yeah, Ace Austin has gotten so good. I saw him in that four-way um, Impact title match, and I'd heard a lot of people giving a bunch of hype to him, and he showed some good character there, and he's got Sawyer Fulton with him, so he's got a whole kind of superstar act, but I didn't quite 100% appreciate it there. But here, it got to really show off, and he's going up against a guy, Jordan Oliver, who I don't really like, but he had a really solid match with him, so I was impressed. Um, Jimmy Lloyd, living up to his show, his, his namesake on his show, he, he gives AJ Gray his only bad match over the weekend... <laughs> Um Jimmy Lloyd is doing like Fat Man Lucha. He's literally wearing a bodysuit that like uh. is like similar to La Parka or super crazy. Um and he is trying to hit Lucha spots and even with AJ Grey who's a fucking tank and, and he doesn't like to be called a hoss, I saw him tweeting about that, but uh he is strong as fuck. Uh he cannot base for this big <laughs> slub who can barely fucking move. So the match is just like clunky and shitty. Um AJ Grey does what he can, but that's it. Starboy charlie versus blake christian starboard charlie was a guy who i was hoping would come out of the weekend with a breakout he's uh he's kind of el he de, uh, de uh jake atlas um he's a he's a student from out here um at the santino brothers school he's had some kick-ass matches with jake atlas in the past um he showed up in like west coast um pro wrestling on iwtv i i assume i don't know this for sure but i'm pretty sure he's wrestled on uh b-boys um promotion that runs out of San Diego. He's really good. He can do some cool high-flying, but him and Blake Christian had not necessarily, like, no high-flying, but a, a more tame match than I would have expected. Um, so he didn't really get to show off. Uh, main event was a death match between Kogar and um, Colby Carino. Um, and it was interesting, like, watching this because I was thinking about comparing Colby at this age to uh, to his dad at this age. And, uh, and uh, I think at this... At the age that Colby is, his dad was already, like, ECW champion <laughs> Like it's so funny to think how Young Steve Carino really Started wrestling comparatively Um the match itself not very good But mostly because of Atticus Addis Kogar not being very good Um yeah I, I wouldn't recommend Going out of your way to check it out I'm also not a I like deathmatch stuff But I'm not like a huge deathmatch fan So I don't know maybe it was good but to me It was not worth my time Um Next show. Sup? Swing of the Axe. This is, I guess you said, the only show that you watched from beginning to end. You picked a good show. Yeah, I'll be correct. You picked a good show to be the show that you watched beginning to end. I would say, for my money, show of the weekend is probably this. And maybe for the culture um, would be the two... Like possible shows of the weekend, um, especially because Bloodsport was a bit of a letdown this year.
2: It it it, it was, but then I got I got, we'll talk we'll talk about it when we get there. But I, I I there was something I really really didn't enjoy.
1: Yeah yeah, there. there's definitely some good stuff on there, but it just was not overall as good as it has been in the past. Um, yeah, I would say this and for the culture are really the only. Kind of arguments for show of the weekend.
2: Um, they definitely they, they have the top three matches of the weekend yeah. for sure between those two shows yeah, for
1: sure. Um, actually, hmm, my show, <laughs> my match of the weekend might be on a show that has almost no other good matches, but we'll talk about that
2: when we get. to Oh shit! Oh 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 oh! I forgot! I forgot yeah. about! Uh, I forgot that Gresham versus Moriarty was on yeah, Spring Break,
1: and that's exactly the match I'm talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, so. Okay. Sup, swing of the axe, open up, violence is forever versus two infinity beyond. This fucking rules. Um, violence is forever. I talked about the big three, like standout people of the weekend, but violence is forever. Um, really, were the workhorses of the weekend. Um, everywhere, yeah. Sh-
2: you can you can tell you, you you can tell when certain people just don't miss mm-hmm. a beat and. Garini and Ku going back to like having like such a heavy workload. Don't mess up. Keep
1: it. They keep it simple and they're good at what they do and that really helps. I think with uh, with why. But even when they're apart, even when they're not in uh, tag team matches, they were kicking ass, um, which was great. And then also when they wrestled each other on the final show of the weekend, uh, they beat the fuck out of each other. So yeah, I mean, to infinity beyond, um, solid veteran wrestlers definitely do some cool stuff and are entertaining. So, so yeah, what did you, what do you think of this one?
2: Same thing, but I thought it was like, it was, it was a bounces forever show to me. Their act is so refined at this point. That it's hard for the it's hard to imagine someone having a bad match with them. It's they're becoming that they're becoming that measuring stick. That if you don't have a good match, a fun match with Violence of Forever, then you probably yeah, suck.
1: Exactly. I I think it's impossible to uh, to have a bad match with them. Even um, what's their name? Air Airwolf and uh, his brother, the Angel Dorado or whatever. Top Flight, I think they're called. Uh, they had such a good match with them that I was like interested to see if they were pretty good. Um, coming out of that, AJ Gray versus Nolan Edwards. AJ. Uh, Jesus makes up, yeah. AJ <laughs> makes up for uh, for that showing with Jimmy Lloyd, probably only a couple hours later, um, if even that, because he's late on the other show, early on <laughs> this, this is one. Just... Yeah, this ruled. But go ahead, yeah.
2: Yeah, um, this is AJ Gray working grumpy vet versus a newer guy on the scene and Nolan Edward. And they just beat the absolute shit out of each other. And it is four minutes. And it is delightful. (laughs) It's really, really good. And, hey, look, man. I'm all for AJ Gray getting more room and more rope to do shit like this. Like, he was always good as a babyface. He's always been entertaining uh, selling. But now that he's becoming someone that's one of the bigger names... On the indies, and people are getting out. People are usually going to be under him on the pecking order. Please give me more AJ great matches yes. like this. And
1: the thing is, is the AJ. There's been times recently where you've had that feeling where like a guy is the top guy by default, you know, and it's like, eh, all right, he's the guy. But AJ, AJ doesn't feel like that. AJ feels like he's become the top guy and he deserves that spot. Um, so it's a lot of fun to see him getting to, you know, kind of stretches his legs and really show off what he can do and this is a great example of that um, and something I don't know if they mentioned it in this uh, match or maybe they do on commentary but a Sup original kind of guy he's on the first show he's mm-hmm. been with Sup from the beginning he took some time off due to some issues let's say um, but he's back and this is you know his first time back in Sup for a while and it feels like uh, I mean I guess it's home <laughs> obviously we'll talk about that later um, Devian versus Alley Cat Um, you know this is obviously it's a big-time fight Uh, they really kind of took it to each other Devian looks really good in like a hard-hitting smash mouth style Um, got Alley Cat getting the win with uh, the Bliss Buster or uh, whatever MJF used to call it (laughs) which is interesting um, to say the least if you know the background there Um, but uh, but yeah solid solid match and You know, if Sup's going to have Sup with kind of their history and their style, if Sup's going to have a women's match, this is the match to have. But it feels like a major downgrade in Alley Cat. There was a point when I was like an advocate for the idea that Alley Cat could win the Sup championship and be a top person there. But, I mean, part of it is that there's been time off. Part of it is this is not the Sup crowd. This is not in the basement East. But this does definitely feel like a a huge downgrade for her in the level of importance that she is on the card.
2: Oh, for sure. I think that alley cat is someone that has no credibility that whenever like no matter where they run because alley cat is someone that works everywhere i feel like alley cat between her gcw work her aiw work or sup work that she has enough credibility to be anywhere on the card and i don't think anyone will uh bat an eye at this point to be honest with you because she's worked everywhere and has credibility um in a lot of different in a lot of different places that you don't have to necessarily be in the basement east in order to feel like Alley Cat is a top star and stuff. Like, I feel like that's one that really does hinder Brett Ison. even if Brett Eisen does um, get a reception and action in other places. But I don't think Alley Cat is, is, is as uh, hindered Sure.
1: I I guess I just meant, like, maybe that's why the crowd didn't seem as hot for her. Oh, you know, okay, okay. But also, the crowd doesn't seem super hot throughout the entire weekend just because they're in such a big building and there's so few of them.
2: Uh, Daniel Maccabee versus Lee Mor- versus Lee Moriarty. This match stank um, These
1: two, who would book these two to <laughs> wrestle at all? These are you got a glorified backyard. I, I don't, under- <laughs> don't,
2: un- don't understand why anyone would book a guy in a mask yeah. and a guy in a soccer jersey together. <laughs> who, who would who would do such yeah, a thing? But,
1: uh, but yeah, this was this was awesome. What did you think here?
2: Man, it was cool as fuck seeing Dan yeah. again. <laughs> it really rules seeing Dan again. I'm not going to lie to you. Um I missed him. I, I, I really I really did miss watching the guy wrestle. Um and to see him come back and just the ideas here, the Christmas on the mat, uh him busting out the big crazy rana that he doesn't that he doesn't do very often on Lee. Uh, just the viciousness, the dueling the dueling limb work. Every, everything is exactly what you'd want from these two guys. And Lee Moriarty, obviously, was one of the biggest stars of the weekend. And before everything got fucked up, Daniel McCabe would have probably been in that conversation, too. Yeah. And I'm just glad that Dan was able to make the track, well, you know, all the way from the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, all the way, being all the way in Canada and able to make it all the way to Indiana for, the, for this match. Because it really was worth it. And... It did me a lot of good to just see Dan wrestling again.
1: And, you know, whatever, be damned about, like, the background situation and everything that happened. And, hell, maybe he didn't want to, you know, it was his first match back in a very long time. But if you're a promoter and you were running a show this weekend and you couldn't find a space on the card for, for Dan Makabe, uh, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you need to have your license revoked or, or something. But it's, it's crazy to me to think that... Any of these other shows could have booked Dan Maccabe and they and nobody else did.
2: Um, uh, uh, could have did Black Black Label Pro could have yeah. did it.
1: Uh, maybe he could have been on Josh Barnett. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Dan Maccabe Oh, the of winner course. of Ambition. Oh, of fucking course. Uh, maybe he's good and shoots. some <laughs> An I don't winner. fucking know. Um, but yeah. Either way. God damn. This it. match ruled. Yeah, like the cleverness, the the stuff that from two guys who I've watched a ton of in the past, like. Two years and,
2: dude, the the finish yeah. like Lee Lee going for his Lee doing a cattle mutilation and then Dan being like, oh, so you yeah. want, so you want to try cattle mutilations? Okay, let me, let me show you this yes. and how like or, or and how like organically and how much it felt like a struggle for Dan to for Dan to get Lee set up in order to, in order to uh, do his variation of it. It like it everything about it was yeah. just it Great was yeah me. when dan Mondays. when dan
1: was setting that up like setting up the makabe lock pie um and the way that he was doing it it was like i you know i'm familiar with with that variation but like i it didn't cross my mind that that's what he was doing it was so smooth of it was you could see it and it was intentional and it made sense but it also still felt like it came out of nowhere um and like you said it's a big layoff for for makabe here but uh didn't feel like he missed a step well Maybe he missed one step, but uh, but he knows. He knows what it was, uh, and I won't say it because probably most people wouldn't even notice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this... And this felt like the measuring stick, honestly, coming out of this match. And this is not just, you know, because Dan Makabe has been on the podcast and Lee Moriarty is a guy who, you know, I've been touting how good he is for a very long time. Like, oh, of course, I'm just going to like this match because these are my guys, and it proves me right to say that they're good. Like, this, coming out of this, like you said, there was cleverness... There were some cool spots. There were some shocking stuff. And, like, some things you didn't expect. Coming out of it, I was like, this is the match to beat. And I kept watching everything else after this and, and waiting for something to be better. Yeah. And eventually it got there, but it it took a while. It took a while
2: for something. And it, and, 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 and this probably still could be number two. And, like, it, like for me, it's like it's a, a toss-up between this match and, a, and another match for the culture that we'll get to in a second.
1: Um. So, yeah, Jake something. O'Shea Edwards, fine. Not great. I don't know if you have any thoughts.
2: Um, I thought O'Shea had a. I thought O'Shea had a really solid weekend. I think I, I wanted more from Jake Something, especially now that they put the belt yes. on him and be and in, in Black Label Pro. But O'Shea, I thought, was very good every time I saw him this weekend.
1: Yeah, and and Jake Something was. I was gonna say, especially here in this match, and I kind of for trying to be brief, I I forgot, but I was gonna say Jake Something is a guy who I think I like. I oftentimes like more in theory than in practice. Um, unfortunately. He rarely clicks. There is one match, I'll talk about it later on the weekend, where I think that he did click. Um, but uh, but this was not it. <laughs> uh, follow this up with someone who is fucking clicking on, on the top of his game. Um, Quentin, I'm going to ask you a question here, and uh, I don't know if you have an answer because I'm putting you on the spot. Is there a better heel in the United States of America than Anthony Henry right now?
2: In the United States? Yeah. Um no no there is not a better there's not a better heel working the u.s indies or the u.s scene better than anthony henry if you wanted to argue jonathan gresham because he works i guess he's certainly healing our waist and i guess you could argue gresham but night in night out working as a heel no anthony henry thinking of them as a heel
1: heel worker gresham is is yes I would say coming out of this weekend, I'm like almost 100% like sold on the idea that Grisham is the the best, most skilled wrestler on the planet. That doesn't mean he's the wrestler of the year. That doesn't mean he's going to be the wrestler of the year for this year. I just think he's the most skilled. Sure. And if technically he's a heel, that counts. But working as a heel, I don't think there's anybody fucking better than Anthony Henry. And this match, he is clicking on all cylinders. This guy... I've said it in the past, reviewed some of his stuff when he worked Southern Indies and stuff like that, that he's always been a good Southern Indie heel, but him bringing that attitude to work rate super Indies and not just doing work horseman go, 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 you know, kind of some fucking weird amalgamation of Zack Sabre Jr. and Davey Richards kind of trying to be like, like Spotfest guy, but bringing that fucking Southern scuzzy Indie heel or
2: not Indy, but yeah, like being 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 like a weird combination of like somehow Zach and like Roddy, yeah, like, it's like and, and Davey on the same time. but it, it, it was always really yeah, weird when he
1: would bring that and it would be like fun and fireworks and doing the like the work horseman stuff. Like oh okay cool, but the Southern heel or even or,
2: or even or, or, or even the, or even the face run of yeah. PWX where he just had these big matches with Sammy Callahan and Roddy and Riddle and uh, Chris Hero like. He would like he would get that kind of stuff, but then it's like, oh, this is a completely different guy. You know, four years later,
1: working with a big old hawk, a a dip in his bottom lip—you can see the entire match and the stuff. Like when he does the cross, the the rope hung cross leg dragon screw, super cool spot that you've Mm. never seen before. So that's like already super unique. You never seen anyone do anything, but he stops, and he blows a kiss before he does it, and it's just. This guy is such a fucking asshole. It's... Uh, ah. I've always thought that he came. He has that fucking scuzzy, shitty, just you fucking prick kind of vibe. And when he leans into it, man, there's nobody more hateable than Anthony Henry. So he beats the fuck out of Jaden Newman here. He dominates him. Jaden Newman fights back. Um, but, you know, he's just no match. He gets completely just blown out by Anthony Henry, who's just the star I mean, this guy, he... Again, he has a, a couple more showings over the weekend, but he is just so fucking good right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, um... I don't know if you saw the news, but I think I saw, you know, PW, PW Insider or The Torch that he is part of the new PC class. Oh, um, what the fuck?
1: I did not see this.
2: I mean, I've seen him... uh Miro said that Ben Carter signed okay. uh and uh Blake Christian. Wow. Um but like I was like the Ben Carter one like I thought AEW fuck, had like, him all
1: but lo- locked up.
2: Yeah, but yeah, uh, like that like that one sucked to hear. Just cuz he's not he, like he's never going to get any right. better now. Like this, this is just and it. And that sucks cuz yeah,
1: um, he's not he's interesting but he's not great. And now he's just going to be stuck uh-huh. there.
2: Um, but going but going back to Henry and the news that he um that he signed, like Hen- Henry is a, a like a NWA Wild Side guy. He started wrestling in two thousand two. He's, re- he's been wrestling for eighteen years. I am oh I'm very happy for Anthony yeah. Henry if he if he is wound up signing to WWE just because that's a guy that saw like so many people pass him. Despite all the work that he's put in over the over the last few years, and even beyond the first SCI, when you go back and watch older Anthony Henry stuff that might be available on VOD or on YouTube, he's a guy that's always been a very good worker, and I'm very happy for him that he has he's able to secure a chance to be more uh, stable, and that wrestling is, it might be able to pay pay off for him in the way that he hoped for. Because um, he's a guy that's worked for that for a really really long time.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a damn fine time for it to be happening for him. And don't get me wrong. If if I had my druthers, he would have gotten signed, you know, way back in the day and and been a major star for the past twenty years that he's been wrestling. But if you're gonna get signed to WWE, might as well be when you're peaking, really. And right now, it feels like he's peaking. And maybe, you know, he might be past or slightly past his physical prime, and he's had a long long 18 years of wrestling and maybe there's some extra bumps on the card than there needs to be but I mean he is at I think an amazing peak of understanding wrestling mentally all there physically he's still there so this is a great time to pop in as long as they give him a shot I think it's going to be really hard for for him to not bust through he feels he really does feel a lot like Roddy at the time when Roddy got signed where it's kind of like you know, oh, you know, this guy is like really peaking. Like this guy is really peaking. This is, he could he could
2: break out. If you like, he he feels like if you just give him something to do, like he'll do a good job. And I understand Henry Henry isn't some renowned promo or anything, but just look at how well they've been handling Thatcher so far. That if you just give him something, go Shit. go out there and with this vast roster of really good performers in NXT, going all the way down from your. Cameron Grimes and your Kushida's and your Thatchers, um, and your jo- and your Jonah and your Jonah Rocks. Like, let him just go out there and wrestle. And I feel like he'll work. I don't
1: work. know what the fuck you're trying to do to me, Quentin. Because as you were listing names there, I just got more and more excited. Thatcher, <laughs> Trevor Lee, he has history with Kushida. What the fuck, Jonah Rock? God damn! Like, yeah, these are all people that. Ah, I want to see him wrestle them all of those people so fucking bad. Yeah, this is gonna be, this is gonna be fun. Um, so yeah, that's uh that's crazy because I did not hear anything about that. I'm so happy that was not even slightly on my radar, and it's really weird to think about because it felt like him and Gabe had a little bit of a falling out. There's a little bit of sour grapes there, and now they're gonna be working together again. So
2: we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, you know, the old tale like you no know, kind of like Darby where. Well, Henry left because he felt like he was, you know, worth yeah. more. And you're like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'll, just go, I'll just go prove it. Exactly. And, yeah, you know, now that Gabe, as, as predicted, worked his, has worked his way up to a pretty prominent position in NXT, it is it is funny and, you know, coincidental that Anthony Henry has now worked his way up until getting a PC deal. So, We'll see. We'll see when they cross paths, and hopefully, nothing immature or stupid is in the way of Anthony Henry being able to shine yeah, on TV. Be, yeah,
1: hopefully he gets what he does. What honestly, what he really deserves because he's worked super hard. Uh, uh, I say that, and it's like you know, the whole, wrestling doesn't owe anyone anything. Whatever, Anthony Henry's busted his ass, and he he deserves at least this. Um,
2: Anthony Henry wasn't wild side when AJ Styles was around. another guy who got like, signed really old. Oh, j- jimmy J- jimmy rave sal sal renaro like S- slim J, like that class like anthony henry was around for all of that he yeah. like it's kind of like the thing like with thatcher too it's like you know what like go ahead man like i it's gonna it's gonna suck to have, not have you around but like go ahead man. especially
1: because like i was saying i mean he's the best heel in north america right now it sucks to to not have him getting to be out there and be part of the backbone of a of the indie wrestling scene, but there's no indie wrestling except for the collective where everyone catches COVID. Um, Follow that up. Another guy who's leaving wrestling in a different way. Eric Stevens retires at the end of the weekend, which was a shocker to everyone because he was initially going to retire at WrestleMania weekend, but canceled it. And then WrestleMania got canceled versus Brett Eisen. Um, I'll be honest. I did not watch this match. I, I skipped it. And I never went back for it, unfortunately. So, Quentin, give me the uh, give me the lowdown on this one.
2: It was fine. Um, I don't think that I I never imagined a scenario I would I would enjoy this match very much. I feel like there's certain people that Eric Stevens can work around and have better matches with, and I feel like they're typically more um, athletic people. And I feel like Ice and I would like you know can't. Let's let's look at uh, Steven versus Tankman from the BLP show that we just reviewed not too long ago. I feel like because Tankman has a certain level of athleticism to him, that Stevens and his tactics and his approach work a little work work a little differently when it feels like he's trying to fight from underneath versus someone that's like a little like you know a lot more gifted than him. And when he's facing someone like Ison who doesn't have that kind of feel at all to me, it. It doesn't really work for me, yeah. sadly.
1: Stevens is a guy. I'll say that he Eric Stevens is not a because there's that like that talk of the the this guy needs to be with someone good kind of guy like this guy needs to be carried. And I won't say that Stevens is a this guy needs to be carried guy, but he is definitely like he needs now in his current run. I think original Eric Stevens and ROH was not this way, um, but the modern the second run of eric stevens revival he needs to wrestle someone who's more exciting than him is the issue yeah. like he he's very he's good he's solid base and a foundation kind of wrestler but he just doesn't he's not bringing like the he's fucking he's old he's retired and
2: come if, back if, if, if eric if eric stevens is the best guy in the match yeah there's a and not
1: even just like like pure wrestling ability but like if he's the more interesting guy in the match or whatever like he needs to be yeah. with someone who's who's a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more interesting because he just he's good he's good on the mat he's he actually he really got a lot better on the mat in this second run when it comes to that stuff
2: I like I like it I like it I like his heel stuff I like his yeah. chicken shit heel stuff and him picking his spots he's just he's I, again people get older they get smarter when they when they work and he has done that but when you're working Brett Ison, someone that you are more exciting then. Yeah. Then it's like,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be kind of boring. Um, all right, Manders, the one called Manders versus AC Mac. Um, fine, not great. Let's call I
2: it what it is. It was. It was, was, was. I would say it was disappointing, yeah. and like not entirely on them. Like circumstances got in the way. Um, if this would have happened at the peak of EC Max Heat in Basement East and Manders is uh, you know his big his face run and how how popular he was getting then this is a lot different I feel like this is a match that's a perfect example of the situation and the and uh, the crowd and all the circumstances that go along with it really do hinder this match from what it could have been yeah. otherwise this is
1: like the stuff we, were, we had recently said about FTR kind of thing, where it's like this is a match that's built around psychology and working the crowd. And and Manders is not a guy that you think of that way. So this is – I mean, you got to put a lot on on Mac. Mac is a heavy working the crowd kind of guy. And when you don't have a crowd, not only not a crowd that's super hot and willing to give you a lot, but also a crowd that's like big <laughs> – close to the ring, invested, raucous, and in adding to things. I mean, he just, he has not adapted. And I can't, you can't blame the guy. How many matches has, has AC Mack had in this post-COVID wrestling world? You know, it's its kind of like, it is the stuff that everyone's talking about the WWE when they were wrestling with no crowds, where it's like certain wrestlers are able to do it because they wrestle in a style that make can make sense with no crowd. Mack's just not that guy. AC Mack wrestles a kind of match that needs a crowd. And uh, that
2: that hurt. The yeah, like, I, I feel like people. I feel like people like should be allowed to get judged that way. That like, you know, again, we I, I, talked about, I talked about it with Joseph when we did psychology is dead. But like, wrestling has been a entertainment form built around catering to the audience and the audience that is in attention that that's, that's in attendance for decades now, almost almost a century. So how like you know now when guys don't have that. Integral part of the fabric of wrestling to play off of, you know, the way they were trained, they were the way they were taught to wrestle. It's it's gonna it's not gonna be the yeah. same for certain yeah. people.
1: It's just it's really not. It's 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 impossible to it's really impossible to compare the things because it's like I've spent even me personally I've spent so much of my time judging and critiquing wrestling based around the idea that you work the crowd and something that i may not love if the crowd is into it then that means it's good you know what i mean like that kind of stuff and i'm not like a, a dave melter psycho where i talk about my my star ratings are objective or anything because i i don't believe that my star ratings are based on my opinions but i do take into account the way the crowd reacts to something and say hey if it got over it got over and that's a big part of wrestling
2: yeah like like you yeah, like yeah, there's a part of like you know humility like you know i might not have liked it and i you know, could say, like, I didn't like this match, it didn't click for me. But, like, I'll have to admit that I'm in the minority here if the entire crowd in attendance just ate the thing up. Like, and it's, like, it's, you know, just admitting when you're, like, in the minority on something. And I feel like a lot of people, like, do miss that part. And now, when you take the crowd away, and when something doesn't click, I feel like people are missing the fact that, hey, like, wrestling is literally based off of catering to an audience. And, like, some people can... Go without doing that, you know, like your Thatchers or Kushida's, and your
0: uh, Forever.
2: Kyle, and your and yeah, Bounce of, Bounce of Forever, Kyle O'Reilly or Dan Macabey or Lee Moriarty, like they can do that. But for someone that's so, but people, but for people so reliant on aura, like I'll even throw Brett Ison in there, for people who are reliant on aura and feel and intensity and atmosphere and heat, it it affects them, and I feel like people. Aren't looking at it from that perspective a lot, a lot yeah. of the time.
1: Post match, AC Mack wants to cut some kind of promo, talk some shit. Uh, I hate really any promo that's being played over a loudspeaker in the arena, and then being like recorded on VOD post. It's always impossible to understand. Gabe can't stand it. Fucking Gabe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but AJ Gray comes out, challenges AC Mack. Thinks he's got him. He's going to trick him, catches him in the balls with the, the rope as he's going out, but uh, that's not enough to put A.J. Gray away. Um, and A.J. Gray hits the uh, the Lariat and puts him down and wins the title and cuts an impassioned promo, and basically, like I said earlier, he makes up for having a unfortunately disappointing first match of the weekend by not only having a super solid match, um, but also winning a championship in a company that felt like at a certain point had completely written him off and had, like, you know, said, like, we can't deal with this guy for whatever reason, whatever the fuck was the backstage bullshit, Um, and now he's their champion, and it's pretty fucking cool to see that, like, it reminds me of, like, the Kenny Omega thing, like, when ROH was begging Kenny Omega to come back, you know, where it's, like, it's really cool.
2: And I felt... And now he finally comes back and he's made a yeah. eventing, and it's like the biggest ROH house and and however long. And they um, have to beg him to come back, you know. Yeah. Um, with AJ, like, I, I said I said I said as much on Twitter, but it's like I'm glad that he gets to like, in my eyes, like come home and like bring everything that he's learned in his time away from Sup back there, because for a lot of people, uh, including me uh, Sup was one of my first times getting exposed to AJ Gray. And he has a lot of memorable stuff there. The stuff with Curse Stallion is really memorable. So I'm like, probably sort of this day, probably the best card Stallion stuff I've ever watched and still some of AJ Gray's best work. And it was always weird to me, even at that time, that yeah, AJ was younger, probably like 23, uh, a super a super young dude, and I was like, "Man, fucking it, push him to the moon already!" Like, this is the guy. And for whatever reason, stuff, you know, led to AJ going and working other places, while Sup moved on. And I feel like now with AJ coming back, more mature, more refined in his style, uh, more, um, more undeniable, and I guess in his presence and aura. And now SUP establishing itself as one of the more consistent indie indie feds around. That it just made all the sense in the world for AJ to come home and really like you can't AJ's AJ from Tennessee. Yeah. Like, it it just makes it just makes all the sense in the world to see AJ come home and be the guy here. And whenever SUP gets back to running shows, I am all in on whatever they have uh, AJ doing sup has shown that they're not scared to bring in people from all across the from all across the country um to to do something so whatever they whatever they do whatever they want they feel safe doing whatever they want to do with aj i'm all eyes for it because aj's earned that and so has sup and i'm just glad that i'm just i'm just hoping that this time nothing uh nothing stupid or a majority in the way
1: and it seems like he's he's grown up and he's figured it out and he plays off of it somewhat he he definitely acts a fool on on social media but it seems like he does it intentionally i liked recently where he talked about like he tweeted something out and he's just like you know i got to however many thousand followers on twitter by being fake horny and it's just like Like, okay, like, I I appreciate that, because a lot of his dumbass Horty posting stuff always seemed, like, really weird, but at least he's, like, acknowledging it, that it's, like, it was kind of a gimmick, and it worked. People fucking paid attention to him because he would post some, like, stupid shit constantly. And, like, you know, all right, more power to you, man. Like, you figured it out, and you put it together. And, you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard here, uh, but I do remember watching, like, old Anarchy stuff with AJ Gray and talking about, like... This fucking guy needs to focus on doing the big man stuff and wrestling the more solid stuff, and not trying to do high flying shit that he can he can't pull off hundred percent clean all the time. Because he used to try to do like infrareds and shit, and like he could pull it off.
2: Oh no, I, oh no! I, I, yeah. I remember I was there. I was there watching all that same stuff too. That this guy he can do it, but it's like, is that is that really is that really was gonna like make you stand out?
1: Yeah, being the like the third best. Uh, fucking Red Arrow or Black Arrow, whatever Pac calls it now, on the card, is that really going to be like the, the thing that people remember you for? Or is having the sickest fucking lariat in all of wrestling going to be the thing that people remember you for? You know what I mean? And he figured it out. So, good for him. And like you said, I mean, AJ Gray, he is definitely across the board popular, but he is fucking Southern. And this is a Southern Underground Pro, so this is the place where he does he does fit in. Um, next show, AIW Thunder in Indianapolis. I you I don't know. Did you watch anything from this?
2: Yeah, I told you I didn't. I didn't see anything thing. from this one.
1: Uh Tom Lawler versus Karate Man. Fun. Uh Ethan Page looked like the skin, really skinny, which is weird because I saw him later throughout the the. The weekend in other matches and he looked big. Like when he's wrestling with Josh Alexander and he's doing the North Tag Team stuff, he looks like like a big monstrous guy. Like somehow wrestling against Tom Lawler, being the karate man, he was like able to like suck his stomach in and, and make himself look really skinny. Like, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck he did, but he just did not look as big. He looked smaller. It was really fucking weird. Um but that was fun, goofy, whatever if you're into that. It's not it's not worth going out of your way to check out but I enjoyed it um, Alex Shelley, Lee Moriarty, Trey uh, Lamar uh, I mean it felt stupid to me it like it was like trying to force something to do like we want to do a version of Alex Shelley and Lee Moriarty which has been like a big feud for them in the recent like couple of months recent year um, to like force it onto the big show and put Trey Lamar in there uh, it, it 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 honestly because the Alex Shelley Lee Moriarty stuff is over like they they already finished it they had a two or three falls match like going back to it didn't make sense yeah you know, if,
2: they're, if anything they're supposed to be like you know it's supposed to be like coming a tag team match yeah or they should have done
1: them as a tag team but they really should have done them as a tag team against Forty Acres because you got PB Smooth and a four way match in the beginning that's pointless if you had done Alex Shelley Lee Moriarty or versus, or, or or
2: or. Okay. You could have did Alex Shelley and Lee Moriarty versus is Forever. Well,
1: <laughs> shit, okay. You could have done that. But I'm just talking about people that are on the show. <laughs> but yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would have been a lot better. Yeah, having them them come back and, and that just felt like forced and dumb. into um, Infinity and Beyond looked good in the match with Philly Moreno experience. But I'm not a fan of Philly Moreno experience. I know people who like them and... I get it. If you're into like bad meme wrestling, if that's your thing,
2: yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not. They're
1: not yeah. really my thing. But but two infinity and beyond is, are a great tag team. I Talked about it. They're good. They're good at what they do, and they're two very veteran. Not I guess great is not the right word. They're veterans who are solid professional wrestlers. The main event was dog shit. These guys had really? a good match two three years ago or whatever. Um. And then I think that that got crossed in my mind with, with Joshua Bishop versus Dom Guerini in the, the, was it like Last Man Standing or whatever they did last year?
2: Um, yeah, it was like some, like some submit to surrender, yes, whatever it. it is. Yeah,
1: submit or surrender. And like mixing that with the matches that these guys had in the past with each other, it was good. I was like, this is going to be good. Uh, it was not good. It was very bad. Um, and it was...
2: Joshua, Joshua Bishop is better than Matthew Justice, yes. but I'm still I'm still surprised that this wasn't a better no, match. No, it was
1: very bad. Uh, the what's his name, West Barkley was in it way too much. Um, there was just a lot of kind of brawling around stuff. The barbed wire got involved, but also like felt like it became an afterthought. Um, and then there was just a lot of brawling around the building, tables, chairs, stuff like that. They cut the barbed wire down, not like super early but relatively early to where there was like still just not barbed wire like I don't know to me the preeminent no rope barbed wire match especially in this context is going to be the born to be wired Terry Funk Sabu thing um, and like of you've got to yes. have the barbed wire just like getting entangled and being like it and the end all be all of the entire thing and by the end of the match the barbed wire was just kind of there and not really part of the match anymore um, so you just did not focus on it um, and this was kind of on this and then the, the, the entrance ramp skirt and the fact that, uh, the, the what's his name was there. Um, uh, Bill Alfonso. Um, and then you've got like this stuff with, the with, the Mordecai and all like, I was like realizing how AIW has turned into like ECW nostalgia when, when AIW was really like interesting and fun fun at least as like a meme wrestling company they were like obsessed with like like 80s wcw stuff and
2: yeah like 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 bringing in like Huck like yeah
1: and the and like sid justice that whole stuff and all that like that kind of thing like and now they're like they're like getting heavy into the ecw vibe of like nostalgia which is weird because the ecw nostalgia has been done to death as far as i'm concerned so even bringing it back now. Oh, of
2: course. Be- between like just like all the ECW tribute promotions that popped after ECW died <laughs> yeah. or even just like the way TNA continues to trot out fucking Tommy Dreamer yeah. and Rhino. Like it's like I-, I can't imagine still being interested in yeah. that stuff.
1: So it feels like AIW is trying to turn into like another e- ECW tribute promotion. It's just like, yeah, it's 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 not for me at this point. So the, so that really hurt the show. Um, And then, yeah, especially this match being the main event. And I was excited, honestly. I went out of my way to watch this because, like, early on when I was first, like, getting caught up on the weekend, I was like, oh, that's going to be fun. Because, like I said, I was, like, mixing up the submitter-surrender stuff and the matches that they had. But this was, I don't know, this was a mess. Matthew Justice is falling apart, too. Like, he's kind of old. He's been wrestling for a while. And I think he had, like, he had something in the tank for a bit there. But uh, but uh, it did not. It's not holding up, and he is just like losing it. Um, into that, we'll move on. Uh, second best, maybe best show of the weekend for the culture. Um, Quentin, how much of this did you watch?
2: Um, I watched pretty much everything except um, AR Fox versus Two Cold. What?
1: For okay.
2: Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Blame you. Well, yeah I just. I was like too cold. I'm not sure if the meme can continue to bring me back in here. And AR Fox is not someone I get excited to watch. Um, so yeah, I just I just decided I was gonna I was gonna okay. skip that one.
1: Well, um, how about I let you take lead for a bit here? What do you think about this show?
2: Um, I enjoyed. it. I think they did everything that they were that they had set out to do. Um, having having J Rose doing the announcing. Having, as far as I know, all black and all black um, commentators for the show, um, and having uh, you know a, 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 a decent mix of women here. I think all together were, were six women on this card. Now, granted, four of them are in a four way, but then you're getting Tasha Steels and Trisha Dora uh, on the show on the show as well, getting 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 representation. And this could have easily just been. Um, guys going out there and doing their best shit so people can notice them and book them afterwards. But people really went out there and worked and like made good impressions on me. Uh, from JTG versus Trey Miguel, from Trisha Dora versus Shug D, to Tankman versus O'Shea, from AJ versus Dez, Lee versus ACH. Like I just every everyone here, and then especially the guys that worked in worked in the multi mans i thought everyone here left making a good impression
1: yeah definitely and this this was kind of the heart and soul of the weekend for me going into wrestlemania weekend i was very excited to see what they were going to do here um you know now in this setting and i thought that they they adjusted pretty well um open up the show with the four-way uh Zay Washington, not someone I'm super familiar with, but he impressed, like you said. And then you've got other guys who I'm like different levels of where they at. Mo Atlas is a guy who I think has something. Um, I heard someone say that he's like doing like a Kimbo Slice kind of thing, like with his gimmick, and it kind of works. Um, being like a like a hood fighter kind of guy, um, and uh, it, you know it works. He's he's pretty good at it, and he's got good charisma. Uh, AC Mack, obviously, we've talked about him a bit. You know already, but uh, but he's he's definitely a lot better in a setting like this. Or not? I won't say a lot better. I'm. He's definitely suited for a situation like this. He can do spot fest kind of matches and just hit stuff. Um, Timmy Lou Retton is a guy who now I don't know. He's like a man without a fucking island. Right? He's a man without a country now.
2: Yeah, man. Well, White White Mike retiring. Yeah, he
1: completely was invested in the Gymnasty Boys, and White Mike is gone. And Timmy's a fucking good wrestler, and he's a guy who deserves
2: a real, a really, a really yeah. good worker. Like, it always, it always surprised me when PWX didn't do yeah. more with him.
1: And so to be in a situation now where it's like, well, what the fuck? Like you're, you know, you're making the, the the tag team work. Like, what are you gonna do now? And then you show up here, and he shows up, and he shows out, and he's looking in good shape. I mean, damn, I've never seen him this skinny. He's like in great shape, and comes out here and delivers big so move from there and then Mike Outlaw who felt like a guy who came out of the weekend with a lot more buzz than he had coming in and well deserved I remember Mike Outlaw is like the third guy from you know no new friends tag team and like not really anything and you come out of this weekend people are talking about him on the level talking about this is a guy that people should be paying attention to and I'm not gonna lie I'm gonna say people are right he hit his spots, he looked good, he come he gets comes out of this with the win, and it's like, okay, Mike Outlaw, maybe this is a guy to pay attention to. He felt like I said, felt like whatever, just some guy, but I think he's been working. So this was a really good showcase kind of opener match. Um, with a lot of different weird moving parts here. Now, here's the question <laughs> here's the question. White Mike, like you said, retired. Would White Mike be the only white guy that could have been on this show? Could you have seen the gymnasty boys Probably. on
2: the show? Honestly, yeah, I feel like I feel like AJ would have made an exception for White right. Mike. I'm not sure how I'm not sure how likely it would have been. Uh, I feel like there would have been at least some internal conversation like, Yo, are you sure about this?" But I, I think that I could see a scenario where White Mike would have yeah. been on the show. He
1: could have been maybe the only one, and even that would have been stretching it. And I'm kind of happy that again it didn't happen.
2: Got 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 got, got at least have him yeah, exactly. take the
1: fall. Got, of course, he's got to get paid. <laughs> Ah, but yeah. Um, after that, JTG Trey Miguel. This was a weird one because coming into it, and JTG is a guy who you really only think of from the WWE stuff. That's really all he's done. He he did not wrestle before WWE. He came in there as a wrestler. He's pretty young. He's thirty five. He's not like super old, but he had a long ass career.
2: Yeah, yeah. Man, that's the that's the thing. It's like I forgot how young JTG was when mm-hmm. he signed. So when I'm watching him. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is, like, he's still great. Good. What the hell is he going can, on here?
1: He's still good. He can still work. He, he knows how to work smart, but he can also have some cool stuff that he did. Like, damn. He's in there with Trey Miguel, who's, like you said, young. I mean, he is the best rascal. Everyone has agreed on that. There's no question about that Trey Miguel is the best of the rascals. Um, that's a bit of an inside joke. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. And, uh, so of course he's got, like, good base material. But yeah, I was, like, shocked. And I liked, I liked the Jay the God thing, and I was looking it up, and it was like, he's, st- when he started wrestling in, like, OVW or whatever, he was wrestling as just too good. I remember the neighborhoodie. That was the name that I remembered seeing, because I- that was, like, around the time when I got, um, FCW tapes. They were calling him the neighborhoodie. And then it was a little bit after that that, um, But Shad came around, and then that's when they started the tag team. So I never, I don't remember seeing Just Too Good. And then eventually he went from Just Too Good to J, or J, like J A Y T G. So it was like supposed to be Just Too Good. And then having them be like J the God, I was like, that's weird. I was like, damn, did JTG mean J the God the whole time? And then I looked into it and found out it didn't.
2: Also, also like on top of like how relatively quick he got shot to the main roster yeah. like by he so like, his first match in ovw is december 2005 and he's on the main roster or doing dark matches by 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 september by september 2006
1: right so yeah so it's like he goes through all of that and all of this stuff super quick and it's just like this guy was like super gifted Because I only saw him for a little bit. So it was like, he went through multiple name changes. And then I saw him for like a second in FTW back in the day when you would like actually pay attention to FCW. And then he was on the main roster. And then he was on the main roster for like 10 years. And he's 35 years old. And he's out here like keeping up with Trey Miguel, who's like considered one of the top high flyer, high octane wrestlers in the world right now this and he doesn't wrestle like why does he not wrestle more why
2: not 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 only that too is that he's he's a significantly bigger guy than J than than Trey Miguel obviously and Trey Miguel is able to work like a convincing like sneaky conniving heel on JTG and JTG manages to feel sympathetic while being so much larger than this than than, than Trey
1: and JTG is one of those sneaky big guys like Billy Gunn kind of thing where it's like in WWE, you don't think of him as a big guy. He's got a bigger tag team partner, which I guess Billy Gunn didn't have a bigger tag team partner. But you know what I mean? Where it's like, now you see him on the indies and you're like, damn, he's he's not like pretty big. He's built and he's tall. Like, damn. And he works. He's able to work babyface. The crowd fucking loves him the whole way through. It's worked perfectly. Because like you said, like even Trey Miguel is like a babyface, really, in most places. In TNA, he's a babyface. But here, it's like, of course, the crowd's going to love JCG. Because this is like, you got to expect, this is not really like WrestleMania crowd. This is like weird, like indie, but like nostalgia, casual crowd that's like, they're going to just pop for the WWE guy. Like, that's who they're going to be into. And, uh, and it was true, and they were into him. But he did not, he didn't like, he wasn't lazy. He didn't do the like Ryback thing he didn't do the like you know famous celebrity who's on some indie show he brought it and he and and that was good because i could have it would have really fucking stunk to have someone like jcg who's like a wwe guy show up to something like this that's supposed to be important as like a a, a show that actually like means something to to like the black culture and to just like be there just to cash a check he was there to work so I, i at least that was good
2: yeah, for sure, I'm, uh, and I'm not, maybe you want to see JTG more. I do. Like, shit, man. If we're gonna sit there and bring out fucking, and I don't think like Mordecai is bad or anything like that, but like, if we're gonna sit there and bring out like Mordecai and Gangrel and shit, like, like, like give give, give let's, let's get some more JTG. Yeah, I wonder
1: where he lives now.
2: Cause, uh, uh, more, yeah, I don't know. Every every wrestler seems like right. they live in Florida, so I don't know. Yeah,
1: so it's like it's kind of tough because I'm like your local area shows should bring him in. But the only problem is like the only city that he's or like area that he's related to or thought of being from is Brooklyn. And it's like, you know, New York shows are fucking already expensive enough that you don't want to bring in a guy like that. Who's like probably really expensive. So it's weird to think about that, but it is true. Like why the fuck not book this guy? Like really, if you can, if he's not like insanely overpriced, he's worthwhile. Um, Three-way tag team match. Top flight. I mentioned them earlier. Airwolf. Angel Dorado. Versus 40 Acres. PB Smooth. Trey Lamar. And uh, Culture Season. Christian no- uh, Casanova. And Tasha Steeles. Um, For a three-way tag team match. This was a lot of fun. Um, Big time spots everywhere. Uh, never, Never felt like it got out of control though. They did a good job keeping it with the mostly two on two with like some like train wreck stuff going around here and there this is like what pb smooth is meant for is a spot like this like um he's very good as a base guy and also playing the big man um and he he is very good at that like people can say that he's shitty but i i think that he's he's super solid as in that in those roles um top flight are very impressive as a tag team. Airwolf was a guy who had gotten a little bit of my attention here and there. I'd seen him, but I think that this tag team is definitely the spot for him. I think that you can make something out of this, this top-flight tag team with these two guys. They're, they have mm-hmm. something, especially, you know, I guess they're brothers, um, so I think you can get something out of that.
2: I, I, would, I would much rather see them than see... Like whatever, Alex Zane and Blake Christian yes. tag team. Like, I'll, I'll I'll take them over that like any definitely. day of the week.
1: Um, and then culture season, Christian Casanova. I know people who are very high on him. People who have very solid opinions of of wrestling in general who are high on Christian Casanova. I'm not completely there. I can I can definitely see something. He's got some poise. I think he needs to put it together. Tasha Steele, Tasha Steel's Definitely has has it. She has star, yeah, quality through the out the window.
2: She 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 makes she makes she makes yes. the act.
1: Anything she does demands attention. Uh, but yeah, what did you think of that match,
2: Quentin? Um. Yeah, it's another one where, like you don't want you didn't you don't want it to get too tropey, but I feel like everyone did 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 their party. I think Culture Season held up held up the pers- the personality end of the of the match and kept it and kept people engaged and i feel like top flight were the more were the more dazzling half of it and i don't know not just because 40 acres are um aligned with aj gray it felt like pb smooth and trey lamar were probably the biggest stars here so they did so they probably need, needed the least shine and so i thought it was appropriate that you got more of culture season than top flight and then once it was time to wrap it up then you see pb smooth uh, come in and clean house and you know, the right the right team, the more the more known team is the one standing standing tall down there.
1: Yeah, definitely. The match was laid out super well. And that's something that can be said over this entire show. I don't know what the deal was with aging or or how everything went together when putting the the show together, but comparatively there's some other shows here that I would have expected a lot better production and the way things were laid out compared to this, but this show was like everything from the bell to bell was laid out super well and everything made sense in the place that it was in and delivered and ever everything was booked really well. And like, again, I don't know how much AJ was truly involved with booking things and, and making sure that the show ran smoothly and all that. But, but it was definitely, uh, it was definitely, it stood out in that way on this show. I'm not saying it's the best of it, but I'm saying that there was other shows that were ran really shitty and didn't come across this smooth. Um, follow this up the pan african world dysphoria nah uh, diaspora i've heard the, the, diaspora. yeah
2: yeah di- I, I think it, yeah it's, it's like a di- yeah, diaspora i've heard people say diaspora i think it's a common one um which which makes sense yeah, like they, I, i've heard, i've heard i've heard i've heard different like pronunciations several different yeah. times so I've like always... don't feel, don't feel so don't feel self-conscious if you, like, if someone, like, cor- yeah. corrected you on it. Right?
1: Um, I've always said... I've always preferred diaspora. I feel like that's, like, the the best way to say it and, and like, the way that, I don't know, sounds the best. But I heard someone say diaspora and they said it very, like, confidently. And then when I thought about the root of the word and the way it was put together, if you think about it for what it means, like, the idea that it would be have a similar root to, like, spores kind of makes sense to where it would be pronounced like okay. diaspora like a spore um, but yeah, yeah so but but for me personally diaspora makes the most sense it just sounds better it's easier to say and it makes more sense like it just it sounds nice diaspora just I don't know it, it, that doesn't sound good either way
2: Trishador it, it, it just feels it just feels it feels more complicated yeah. to say even yeah. if it's not <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, Trishadora versus sugar dunkatin um, Trisha Dora I've seen some stuff of But not a ton um, Shout out to uh, Black Wrestling Podcast For the interview that they had with her And especially shout out to her For on the interview Mentioning that like Sometimes when you're down And you want to watch some, some wrestling That just reminds you about how good wrestling can be The, the example that she made Was Daniel Maka Versus Timothy Thatcher From 3 to one Battle which yeah. I was, like, <laughs> floored. I was just like, I would never have expected that on Blast, Black Wrestling Podcast they would ever talk about Daniel Maccabee versus Timothy Thatcher. But she brought it. She's a student of the game. After that, after this weekend, she called out Daniel Maccabee directly. She wants the match with him.
2: Oh, yeah. shit.
1: Yeah, and I want the match. I want Trisha Dora versus Daniel Maccabee. Oh, Mokabe. fuck. F- yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, and this was it. This was because I think...
2: I had s- Dude, this... Go ahead. <laughs> I said it on Twitter. I'm not sure this wasn't like the second best match of the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> like This... Like, I-, I was floored by this.
1: This needed to deliver in a way. And it 100% did and it over delivered. Because like I said, I've seen some Trisha Dora here and there and I've liked her. But it. I've also like seen her with this championship and been like, it feels like a gimmick. And she came out here and she showed that it's not a fucking gimmick. This is a real championship on a real wrestler who deserves the title. And she didn't just have a match with anybody. Suge D is pretty well respected. Pineapple Pete shows up on AEW and he shows up on uh, NXT. But he also shows up on Rev Pro and he also shows up on PCW. And he also shows up, you know, he shows up all over the fucking world. And everybody knows PWX. He, You know that this is a guy that... You, Deserves your respect.
2: Oh, oh, for Former for, former freelance yeah, guy.
1: Freelance top star. Like, yeah, he's a guy that you know is legit. And he comes out here and he has an insanely solid fucking amazing... Not just solid. He has an amazing match with Trisador that really cements her as, like, she is a champion. And that championship that she has is, is viable and worth trying to win. And, like, this was...
2: Dude, I, didn't, dude, I didn't even I, I didn't even recognize this being Suge right. D. Like, I was like, holy! Like this performance, this heel work, this like body work, and everything being so mean and vicious and arrogant and dismissive of Trish. Like, man, like this is a far cry from the dude that we would that we watched Ethan Page Ethan Page beat the shit beat, beat the shit out of in Freelance like four years ago, or this st- or the stuff or the stuff the, st- the, st- the other stuff that he had that he had in uh. And freelance. Um, I forgot the I forgot the eye quit match or lose at least or whatever whatever he had going on. But being the face of freelance for a for for yeah. a good second. Um, and then you just sit, sit there and fast forward and see this guy being such a good heel and such a good story for Trisha Dora to overcome. I was blown away by this.
0: Yeah,
1: and he he really went out of his way to make her here. I mean, he. He lended all that credibility that you're talking about into making her serious because he goes around being dismissive in the beginning and and just the little stuff like the condescending way he holds the rope for her and then she brings it back on him holding the rope for her, for him the the two on one the way that she kept the two on one like you see people do that with the hammer lock you'll see it super effectively later on this weekend with Gresham doing the hammer lock where you like every counter every roll you just roll with him which is always such a cool smooth thing to do. She does that with the two on one, and then <laughs> I love. It's kind of I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but it's a little detail. When he counters it, he pulls her in and he punches her in the gut, but he holds that pose. And it reminded me of the lion cock. It was so Chris Bosh, where he was on on his knee and he was like, "Ah!" I was like, "Yes, that is that's that, you know that's a little stupid detail. That's just like, it's good because I mean Sugar D. I mean Sugar Dunkerton was a comedy character. He brings back the the basketball gimmick later on the weekend but it's just a little thing but it's still the rest of the time he's heelish and the way that the way that Trisha she keeps it clean she shows off her technical ability but when Suge is like he tries to be a fucking dick and he stomps on her ankle and then that fires her up she's like you know what fuck this I don't need to keep it clean I don't need to respect my elders I don't need to be you know just be like I need to prove that I can beat him this way like she brings it after that and then the big fucking strikes huge punches huge kicks And then the back and forth, and yeah, like, super polished, honestly. Her level of polish here, like, from being able to be technical, striking game is, like, on point. Like, Trisha Dora is someone to watch, man. Like, I I hate to say it because it's another one of these fucking terrible situations where, unfortunately, she doesn't have a lot of women that she's going to be able to wrestle. And it's, like, really hard to become mainstream working intergender. And I hope that that goes away because she's someone who should be able to be able to be a big star in settings like this because she's so fucking good here and through the match watching the match it doesn't cross my mind reviewing the match that's when I think about the intergender aspect unfortunately because I want to think about where can she go from here what's the next thing she can do she's got this championship and like I said this this show this match made this championship feel important and hopefully we can go from here and start to get some big time like challengers for this match and or for this title and move forward because yeah and like and hopefully this can be part of the revolution where female wrestlers women women wrestlers like this can like be main eventers and be big stars because Trishadora is like at that level where I could see this championship her defending this title as a main event on any show really. So yeah, this was uh this was definitely a great match. Shug D deserves a lot of credit because he could have. He's trying to make a name for himself. He's trying to get signed. I mean, he's showing up in AEW, He's showing up in NXT. He's all over the world. He went to England. He 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 went to England intentionally to try to make himself a fucking star. He comes back to America.
2: And then, uh, yeah, the comes like you know, uh, goes all in on England, and then the fucking scene collapses on, himself, collapses yeah, on itself. Yeah, it,
1: yeah, it's not like he wasn't getting over. He was becoming a big star in England like people talk about David Starr or they don't anymore but at the time people talked about David Starr but Suge D was right there too Suge D was making a name for himself in England as like a guy and that fell apart for him and he comes back to America and now he's something again in America and he's about to get signed I can't imagine if you're signing Anthony Henry why are you not signing Suge D Um, I mean I guess there's one reason but uh, for him to be this selfless and to make Trishador look this good. That really shows that he's like putting back into wrestling what he gets out of it. So super appreciated that. Um, follow this up: Calvin Tankman versus O'Shea Edwards. Two big meaty men slapping meat. Um, I don't know. Maybe O'Shea's best like house fight of the weekend. What do you think?
2: Um, I'm not sure. It's like I'm not sure it's not the best O'Shea hoss fight I've seen in general. Honestly, um, I think. Going against someone that, had, that is, that's a little bit more explosive than O'Shea, um, made some of O'Shea's like other strengths uh, stand out, stand out a little bit more. Like o, I feel like O'Shea is a little bit more outwardly charismatic than than Tank than Tankman. Um, I feel like O'Shea and like his like kind like stoic demeanor and his entrance and his entrance attire gives him like a big larger than life personality that Tankman doesn't exactly have yet. And I think I think O'Shea really needed that when he's facing a guy like Tankman, who's probably the more explosive athlete who can surprise you with like a fucking wheel kick or a moon or, flo- or a frog splash or something.
1: Or a running shooting star press that this motherfucker can do. Yeah, uh, yeah. This was this was a badass fight. Like I said, um, I I definitely can see where you're coming from. I. I would have to like double check where I come from like you're probably right that this is O'Shea's best like big man versus big man match ever just because of exactly what we we're talking about the Tankman is like he he fills in the the uh, the deficits for O'Shea uh four-way women's match or I guess four-way people match. I don't know I I need to I don't know what Devin Moore's pronouns are and I feel bad for for questioning it right here in the moment um either way, Marty Bell, Willow Nightingale, Faye Jackson, Devin Moore. Um four-way match. I don't know. I I saw someone say this would have been better as just Nightingale versus Moore in a singles match. I think did Faye retire? I feel like I saw something where it seemed like she's she's done with wrestling coming out of this. Um
2: Uh, I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember that. I'd have to I'd have to go look on um Look on Twitter, but I'd be uh, I'd be shocked. I'd yeah, be shocked to hear that. I
1: was shocked when I saw it. I think it was her posting it. Maybe she was just saying like she's winding it down, um, not necessarily retiring, but but uh, I don't know. Solid stuff, but a lot, definitely a lot going on. Uh, Marty Bell. I think that Marty Bell has gotten better recently, but she's still not great. But I think that she knows who she is. And that helps because I think in the past she's tried to be something that she's not. Um, Willow Nightingale, I feel really bad now after the the last show, the Beyond um, review that we did where I was really kind of dogging on Willow Nightingale because I've heard that she came back from a pretty rough injury. Um, and she looked a little bit better here. So you got like a rough injury plus the layoff. Um, and it, I think that she'll be able to get back in there. But I also have to like stick with, kind of stick with my guns which is that like I've always said that the way I review wrestling is I review it based on what I see. And I don't really talk about what's happening on the outside. And that doesn't really affect... I mean, we talk about it. But that doesn't affect my reviews or my opinions on things. Because I review and I have opinions based on what happens. <laughs> what I see, what's presented in front of me. And not, like, what happened backstage. Or why you couldn't, like, tell someone to job. Or why someone didn't look great. Or whatever reason, you know. But I do... I. You know, I feel bad because she's working hard and I, I won't I won't say that Willow Nightingale is terrible. And I, and I don't think that I ever really did because I, I think I mentioned that I had seen her in the past out here in Southern California have good matches in the past and just felt like she had reverted and wasn't as good as she used to be. And now I kind of understand why. Um, that said, I mean, this was probably the least match on the show um, only because it didn't have a super solid through line. It had a little bit of sloppiness here and there, and uh, didn't like we had the the the, the three way tag team match that really felt like it. We talked about it, it had d- defined kind of characteristics. It had like segments, and it had a finish that made sense. And this just didn't really feel like it had that same level of cohesion throughout the match.
2: Yeah, I'm 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 with you on everything there. Um, um, yeah, I, I feel like any version of this that maybe is Paired down to a singles, whether it was Willow versus uh Devin Monroe, or even Willow versus Faye, or Faye versus or Faye versus Devin, I feel like works better than trying to do this. And you know, not not everyone is not everyone is best suited for like showcase style matches like this. Some people are really better suited for something more long form where they can. Express who they are individually, and like get sustained time with the audience, and not have to like roll out of the ring and let someone else get the shine. um I feel like that doesn't work. For, that, that that doesn't really work for everybody, and I feel like this might be an example of that.
1: Yeah, that's very fair. um Like, it's I don't know how to put it. Like, yeah, certain. I think you put it pretty well. Certain people just aren't meant to uh, to take a back seat. Or to work a match like this they just don't have the, the the right skills for it um follow this up with a match that I think I saw someone say like you know good on AJ gray for not booking himself against like the WWE guy the fresh off of WWE guy i uh, leaving that for a younger talent to make their name against blah 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 but like this match I think was fan like fan service right if you're an AJ Gray fan if you're a Desmond Xavier fan you know kind of the, the background between these two and this feels like like a big ass dream match to be booking so it wouldn't have made mm. sense to do AJ especially because you've already had at this point one but you're about to have the rematch anyways between AJ and ACH Um, So this match felt like this was, like, a nice... This made sense as, like, AJ's show. Who does he want to do his showcase match against is against Desmond Xavier. Like, it makes a lot of sense. Um, And I thought that they delivered super well on that because the match itself was really good. But the background and the drama between the two um, really added a lot to it, for me at least, watching it. And... Part of that, too, is that Desmond is in a weird spot. Like, he's been in TNA, Impact, whatever, for a while here. But it was like there was a time where Desmond seemed like he was going to be, like, you know, the next thing. He was going to be the next huge star. He was going to – he yeah. did the big dive at AIW. He had the great matches with Ricochet. He went to Dragon Gate. He, you know, he had the big tag team matches in people yeah, he-
2: had, had the Jonathan had the Jonathan yeah, Gresham was match. like this
1: is going to be it. This is going to be the biggest star in wrestling and then it's like for better or for worse he signs with Impact and he's probably getting paid but there's no buzz and there's there's you know you're not hearing about the great Desmond matches as a singles guy or as a tag guy, but especially as a singles guy. So then he's here and it's kind of like Desmond's wrestling against the guy who's living what you thought was gonna be Desmond's thing. You thought Desmond was gonna be the top guy. And he never really was. He never had that top guy spot anywhere. So it was like, Desmond's the big name and everyone knows who he is and he's getting paid. But AJ is actually the big star. So it did, it had like so many levels here. And that was like, again, like it It was, this was perfectly booked for this fucking show. AJ Gray is out here to prove something. And he's going up against the guy who's, like, one of the only people that he had access to that he really could prove something to. So, yeah, that was kind of my takeaway of the, like, build around the match. The match itself was done really well to be, like, AJ kept, not kept, but AJ was kind of wanting to to slink into wrestling Desmond Xavier's match and try to show off that he can do the high-flying stuff with Desmond. But when it came down to it like that was not how he was gonna win you know he had to be the new aj gray and be the hard-hitting aj gray who loves the four pillars um like he wasn't gonna win this match by doing high flying against Desmond xavier um but quentin what did you think of the match
2: i uh, really en- really enjoyed this um a couple minor stumbles uh, in, the, in the beginning stages with them trying some a bit more a bit more flashy a a bit more flashy stuff but other than that i thought once it settled into a groove and it really uh one thing i really liked was playing with the size disparity uh while desmond does have good looking strikes and he can throw a nice forearm a nice chop a nice kick it really played in the size and strength disparity that when des throws a good forearm aj throws a better one and it actually knocks desmond to the ground and i really enjoyed some of like AJ's uh, brutality stuff, like him having Desmond caught between the ropes and him doing an Irish whip motion, but because Desmond is in the rope, it just leads to him face-planting into the mat. I just love the little mean stuff that AJ did this time around and really focused on that instead of just being oh okay we're going to get to the hot finishing stretch and here comes this big lariat. He really focused on being mean and nasty in this one.
1: Yeah. Um definitely following this up, it's exactly that I was referencing. It's the the big coming off of WWE star going up against the the next thing in, in Lee Moriarty versus ACH. Um
2: Quentin, what did you think of this? Um. So my my big takeaway with ACH for the weekend is that mechanically everything is still there. Um. I don't know. I just get the vibe that like, emotionally and passion wise, he's still absent. And I understand that ACH is someone that's very charismatic and like just the same way we were talking about AC Mac like I gotta imagine for someone like ACH who's super energetic and interacts with the crowd a lot whether it's as a healer or as a face then like the lack of a crowd could be affecting him too but it felt like mechanically he was there he still looked crisp he still had great timing on everything he's still a functionally really good pro wrestler but that emotional aspect that makes you connect with ACH I feel like was missing and like that while this match was good, while I thought this match was still good and solid, I wish this would happen under you know better circumstances or better pretenses because I feel like, uh, more emotionally available ACH probably beats the shit out of Lee a little bit a little bit harder, probably chops him a little, a little harder, probably toys with the crowd and heals and heals it up a little bit more, and I feel like, ECH in this stage it isn't really giving that
1: it's tough to say because it's like is ACH emotionally broken down from the shit that happened in WWE which is really tough we talked about it here but like psychologically that's gotta be fucking tough like where he was at and what he had to deal with or is it the crowd stuff and I think about it and I compare this to and who knows because I'm not, I'm not in the building here And I was in the building for the ACH versus Bandito match. And, like, that match was fucking amazing. Live and in person and getting the ACH, like, performance and connection and vibe right there. Like, a few feet from me and the way and what he was doing and the way he was working and just being... I mean, ACH is not you said it AC Mac, he's not that kinda of heel, but when ACH is like clicking as a heel, he's definitely special. He's definitely and I think it's very funny hearing people reviewing this ACH stuff who like clearly were not watching ACH right before he got signed because they're like, him doing this slowing down stuff and working like a the grumpy vet and all this stuff, I'm like, you have no fucking idea how good ACH was, like, towards the end of uh like that his whole run um so it's just like comparatively though mechanically who is wrestling he had a better match with uh with Lee Moriarty here than he did with Bandito but but it's just like like you said the soul is not there and uh and it's just not the same follow this up oh, it's, no. just,
2: it's- it's it's, it's, sad, it's sad, dude. Like it really is sad, cause like if you remember, like we talked, we talked about like ACH's career high of twenty eighteen, and like just how being the heart of AEW, and whether it was as a whether it was like playing a heelish side or him as a babyface, and him his selling, and him being so valiant at every turn facing somebody, whether it was Jeff Cobb or Trevor Lee or even. um... I, I, yeah, we did, yeah, we did get a David. We did get a David Starr match. Like everything that everything that we got from that rain, it's it's just it's just it's just gone now.
1: Yeah. and people just don't even remember it really.
2: Um, yeah.
1: After this, 2 Cold Scorpio versus Air Fox. Uh, good, fine for what it was. Spotty. Um, I what I thought about watching this though was like uh, before there was a. Uh, Zacky two belts or Becky two belts or uh, Bailey dose straps. There was two gold Scorpio. Um, so don't forget that <laughs> motherfuckers, because the first motherfucker who did the I got two belts and have a name and have the swag was uh, was too cold here. And uh, just remember that you know he's a, he's a fucking living legend. He really deserves all the praise that he gets during this match. A.R. Fox is a guy who, I mean, I get where you're coming from. No connection there to him. To me, I've got, like, super close connection to him um, just because of, like, a lot of things. A lot of things. Just personally being a fan, seeing him a ton live, and then also he's, like, my wife's first, like, favorite wrestler, so I'm never going to be able to forget that.
2: Oh, Oh, yeah, of course. And I feel, and, like... If I had if I had ever seen AR Fox live, I'd imagine I would like still feel the same way about it. But I've never I've never had I've never gotten a chance to see him live.
1: I saw him a ton live and like I said I've got co- the connection with my wife being such a big fan of his. So it's just like he's a guy who always hits it for me. Uh follow up this show. Oh, you
2: know you, you know, like you know but, but i say, like, like, you know what it is for me is like someone I didn't appreciate until I saw live and we talked we talked about it when I went to that show, but like seeing Bandito live and like seeing like Flamita live is like you know, like you kind of get bored with them sometimes when you watch them live and I feel like I'll feel the same way about Phoenix so like once you see him live like all your other complaints you kind of like shut up because you're like oh like what he does is like super fucking difficult to do and it's
1: just really cool to see um after this we got uh Effie's Big Gay Brunch I would only recommend um like I said the Twink Gauntlet and the that I would just like across the board recommend watch it it's a lot of fun and it seems like it would suck because it's like a ton of people and like would be like the clusterfuck but it's not it's like really fun because they have a through story with um with perro being the twin hunter throughout it and you got a lot of fun stuff happening throughout it like gimmicks and and jokes and then big spots and nasty shit happening so i would definitely recommend checking that out just for that it's it 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 goes by quickly and then effie versus marco stunt i think that people would think that like uh you know, there's a lot of goofiness and a lot of stupid shit in there, but it's, like, it go another one that goes by quickly and is fun and funny. If you're open to, like, comedy wrestling at all, check it out. If you don't like comedy wrestling at all, just don't watch it. Um, and main event, Sunny Kiss versus Cassandra. I mean, of course, like, are you not going to watch Cassandra in America? But if that's, like, you don't like Exoticos, because Sunny Kiss is 100% as an Exotico. I don't care what you say, what anyone says, like, is, has anyone tried to you say that Sunny like Kiss is weird, isn't an exotico? we about that. Sunny Kiss is an exotico. Like fuck off. Um,
2: is it? Be, is it because? Is because he's not? Yeah. I guess.
1: Not Mexican. Not
2: a luchador. Like he has, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. It, I, I, he's, I, would, I would call it classify classify Sunny Kiss so as an exotico. So Russians
1: from uh, Lucha Underground feels like an exotico to me. I don't know. Um
2: I don't know. It's the same 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 thing. Same thing with uh, Yosuke Santa Maria. Like I will count Yosuke as a, yeah, same, as an exotico same. for sure. I always
1: did. I always thought that Santa Maria was a uh, was a, an exotico, but like you know, I don't. know, I guess people don't. Some people don't, and they say that it's not. But like even Yosuke is like a little bit more accepted as an exotico because of the excursion to Mexico, and like Sunny Kiss has yeah. never wrestled in Mexico that I know of. Um, unfortunately, I wish it was the old days when like uh, what I got. Matt Taven and all the ROH wrestlers wrestling in Mexico. You could have Sonny Kiss wrestling. Um, That would be awesome. Um, are you wrestling, son? Did you watch anything from this?
2: I watched um, Mike Outlaw versus Lee Moriarty, and I watched AJ Gray versus ACH. I would say probably my favorite ACH match of the weekend. Yeah, I
1: agree with that. ACH had a, unfortunately, disappointing weekend. Um, and this this was actually good. Um,
2: Lee Moriarty. I was I was surprised by I I was surprised by that a lot because again, I think now it's really like not in just him feeling like the guy, but AJ Gray wrestles like it. Like here he here he is in the match with ACH and you would think knowing ACH and ACH that we've seen and ACH that we have seen him be versus people like Paco and Sammy Guevara or even versus Chip Day, we've seen him be a nasty, mean fucking asshole sometimes. And to see AJ Gray be the one in control, was like, oh, like, that's actually a surprise. Yeah, AJ
1: took, uh, like you said, took control of the match, and uh, and it was interesting because you would think that any other setting AJ would be the one taking the back seat here, but he took control, and it was probably smart because, like you said, ACH had a kind of depressing, not depressing, but had a disappointing weekend, and it was pretty smart of AJ, AJ Gray to take control here because then he delivered Something solid out of uh, ACH that no one else did because of that. Mike Outlaw versus Lee Moriarty was really good, probably in the lower tier of Lee Moriarty matches of the weekend. But I honestly would say that I probably liked the this more than the ACH Lee Moriarty match. If I'm perfectly honest, Um, I wouldn't fight that. And then the only other thing that you didn't watch that I would say go out of your way to check out is. Jake something versus one called Manders, and this is what I was talking about. I like Jake something in theory, really okay. Usually, more than I like him in practice. But this was a nice kick-ass match, and was for my money the best gimmick match of the weekend. Um, these guys, there was not blood, but it was a Texas Bull Rope match. They used the the bell quite vigorously. They used the rope really well, and it was too big fucking hosses just kicking the shit out of each other and that's that's what they delivered so I would say out of all of the stuff um, on this show otherwise to check out would be that and again for me best gimmick match of the weekend usually these big weekends have like a ton of solid gimmick matches so that would be saying something but unfortunately this was a weekend where the gimmick matches did not deliver so this was the best one and it was still not great it was good and I would say watch it, but it was not, like, a great match. Um, yeah. Follow All it right. up. Joey Janela's spring break in the main, not the main event, but the uh, primetime slot of the weekend. Some good stuff here. Honestly, for for the the Joey Janela's spring break, usually you expect it to suck ass, but uh, had some good stuff. Ricky Shane Page versus uh, Orange Cassidy to open it up was okay. Um, did you watch anything on this show or what did you watch on this show I guess?
2: Um Gresham versus Moriarty, Deppin versus Shelley, and Leo versus okay. ACH.
1: Um Gresham versus Lee Moriarty probably the match of the weekend. Actually, fuck that. Gresham I'm like, versus Moriarty, I'm, I'm not sure I'm gonna say match probably of the like Yeah. These two were fucking amazing together. Um you would think that they've wrestled each other a thousand times in the past, or they were like trained each other, or you know they like trained together or something. You would think that these guys, like, this was not the first time that they've ever wrestled, but it was.
2: I My mean, Gre- Gresham is Gresham is the yeah. best man. Like when you you can, he's a de- like he is so good, and it's so funny to me. People always always would talk about of like you know. Gresham is good, but he's he's a good hand. Like I don't know if he can be this and be that. And it's like, dude, like good wrestling is good wrestling. Like, there's a reason why when he was a new while he, when he was in Best of Super Juniors, like the crowd started to yep. take a liking to him over there. There's a reason why like when he got to do shit in PWG that people actually liked him. There's a reason why if you do Beyond or put him on GCW or ROH gives him spots that he gets over. Like, and I think that at some point you just gotta accept that yeah, he has an uphill battle but good wrestling is good wrestling no matter who it's coming from
1: that is that's it that's the best way to put it and on top of that Gresham is the best wrestler in the fucking world like good wrestling is good wrestling and cream rises to the top stuff is true in general for sure but this is a certain situation where Jonathan Gresham is literally the most skilled technically proficient not just technically proficient because this motherfucker can still at this point do a shooting star press, with the grace and and the smoothness of fucking Hayabusa, the originator of the fucking or Liger, the originator of the fucking move. Like this guy,
2: or even this four hundred and fifty is like still so good. Or like when he or when he when he starts his comeback sequence and he does and he does his moon salt and how quickly he can go from things and like his signature spots him falling and kipping back up and going to the end of geary like it isn't just all the technical work and the limb selling and the nuance and attention to detail he can give you all the fireworks and exciting stuff just 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 as much as he that he can
1: throw he can throw hands with the best of them he can fly with the best of them and when it comes to technical grappling and you know zack saber jr talk or it wasn't Zack Sabre Jr. It was a uh, uh, Jesus Christ. Why can I am blanking on his name. He's the guy that that people compare Zack to the comedy wrestler from World of Sport. Um, Johnny Saint, Johnny Saint Johnny Saint calls it the parlor tricks right. The 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 unique little details that you have to just weirdly remember but also be super smooth to make them look good. It's like sleight of hand wrestling Um Gresham has all of those in his back pocket all the time and he brought a lot of them out here the stuff where you're just like smoothly gliding on your back the stuff where you're like rolling with the hammerlock sequela counters this you know all of that stuff he can do all of that when he wants to he can do it better than anyone and it's like That stuff is not necessarily just physical because, you know, there's a lot of wrestlers who can physically do a lot of that stuff, but there's not a lot of wrestlers who can always remember all of it. It's like details and it's remembering it and it's doing the little pieces. And Gresham is, I mean, God fucking damn it. This guy is so good. Grisham is literally the best wrestler on the planet earth. He's the best wrestler living. And again, I talked about it earlier. There's a reason why... Grisham is not preeminently always my number one wrestler of the year because he doesn't always get the chances He doesn't have the matches. He doesn't show it off But if if wrestler of the year was based solely on performance and skill Grisham would be the wrestler of the year every year for probably the past fucking 20 years or something like this guy is so goddamn good Um, This match was amazing and this was a situation where everything clicked the way that they worked everything And and even the finish was so beautiful because they teased and played with octopus hold stuff And they even like were playing with the octopus stuff with Lee Moriarty versus Dan That's why like this was even better because you're like you've been setting this up throughout the entire weekend When uh, Lee Moriarty went for the octopus on Dan uh, Makabe earlier in the weekend Dan like looked at I remember him stopping and looking at the camera and shaking his finger No, 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 you're not gonna get the octopus on me. That's my thing and like you get into it here they were trading octopus holds here and eventually Grisham gets it but he can't beat him with just the octopus he also has to hit those hammer fists like ah Grisham is amazing match of the weekend if we were doing a star rating show which we're really not this is probably like a a a five star match it's in that it's in that conversation um this was so fucking good um otherwise
2: yeah Uh, yeah Well, I echo everything you said there um yeah, at this point, like you know, barring certain people who you know are no longer involved with wrestling at the at the moment, like Jonathan Gresham would be on the short list of people I would consider like the best wrestlers in right. the world right now. I do have somebody that I want to talk about when we um do our other show at some point uh, at some point this weekend. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like Jonathan Gresham is he's on that really short list of like maybe like you know three but like maybe two guys that i really feel that way about
1: and unfortunately and not unfortunately fortunately those two guys had a series of three matches with each other that we have reviewed on the podcast in the past together um that's amazing um followed up pazuzu versus next gen you didn't watch this i don't care about this alex shelley versus deppin uh, I won't say the worst Alex Shelley match of the weekend, but not the one that I would go out of my way to watch. But I can understand why you watched it, you know, because it's Shelley. I,
2: don't, I mean, it's, yeah, Alex, I am I don't like yeah. Deppen, um, and I and I still and I still like this for the most part. I still like Deppen being being the one in control here. Alex Shelley, a lot of the time we see him is the sly, sneaky veteran doing vet doing vet tricks, and that wasn't it here. We got to see Tony get a lot of shine and. I think for that, that's why I really still enjoyed still enjoyed this. Even if someone someone wanted to argue that this might be Shelley's weakest match, I still enjoyed it just for the uh, little uh, switch on how yeah, the structure was. Yeah, I
1: wouldn't was. say it was his weakest match. I was saying like, I could see it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't personally say it was, but it wasn't like his best match of the weekend. I would definitely say for sure. Um, but what you said is really important because it's true. Actually. What you said was true and is very important because GCW did a great job here of investing in someone like Deppin who gets treated like they're, you know, they call him the gatekeeper thing. And this is a situation where he's got a match against someone who's not trying to, you know, get in the gate, someone who's well-established. And this is how you put the equity into Deppin is you have him wrestle against that guy and gets the win, and you talk about it, how Deppen is the standard bearer for GCW, and this is the kind of match, and that's why he's in control for the match, and he gets the win because he's the standard bearer of GCW. Like, this is super smart booking for the company in general and really smart overall storytelling in the match. Um, ACH, Leo Rush, I won't say that I hated it, but it felt like a match that like felt like it was like drawing off of NXT matches a ton mechan, mechan,
2: mechanic, mechanically still yeah. really good like again like you know these guys like Leo is still able to sit there and do his matrix shit and um, do that back handspring and ACH the timing to catch him and all that stuff is still there it's just and I, and I feel like Leo brought the emotion down the stretch again it's um it's two guys where it just feels like you know they're just not back in it yet and I said this in the Slack, but it's, like, super disappointing, just, like, how the industry failed to, like, really young, talented black men, like, ACH and Leo Rush. The, like, the like WWE completely failed these guys. Like, and making them feel wanted, and making them feel safe, and making them feel heard. Even, even if we wanted to chalk things out to misunderstandings, like, they just did a terrible job of making these guys feel like they mattered. And, you know, and you see the fallout that it had on, like, their psyches. And, like, some stuff you can't always you can't put it entirely on wrestling. I know um, at least for one of them there were like m- more real life circumstances going on that would have caused some stress and, emo- and emotional t- and emotional times. Um, but it just sucks watching these guys, no, seeing these two super talented dudes, two people that I have the utmost confidence, could have been marquees like marquee names on the main roster for however long they wanted to be marquee names. Leo Rush. People forget he got over on the main roster, albeit as a manager. But like Leo Rush had never shown any capability of being a good talker ever, and out of necessity became a, a great talker and saved Bobby Lashley's yeah. WWE run.
1: You wouldn't have the hurt business in ACH.
2: Leo Rush. In, a- in ACH, if he, you know, still got to got, got a chance to like uh, stick around and feel like he mattered and they care what he had to say. Who know? Who knows where he would have been? I feel like I feel like there's a world where ACH probably would have, might have won it, might have won a, an NXT title, or still been in contention and in, in 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 doing whatever because he's just a super talented guy, and I think that the lack of mental health facilities that actually know how to treat young black men uh, is really glaring when it comes to these two people because there's no reason why by 32 and 25 respectively that these two dudes should be like shoot up and spit out and spit out out of wrestling and coming across
1: like they're washed up here honestly and i not even washed up physically like you said everything is hitting but mentally just being burnt out to the point where it feels like hopefully they can get the get that groove back and we talked about it with anthony henry you know putting it together mentally even just recently at his age but uh but yeah to like to see them at this point now and be like what what the what the fuck um mechanically solid but felt like felt like an, an like i said felt like an nxc house show or it could be on nxc tv or something uh ricky morton joy Janella. not terrible and if you have a certain kind of investment i can see getting caught up in it but uh definitely a lot of smoke and mirrors and uh and and definitely you know interesting Clusterfuck, um, not the worst clusterfuck I've seen, and I thought that they did a good job of keeping it moving. I, I liked adding in tag teams and, and stables coming in together, because it was just like, it, it got to the point where it's like, kind of like the Royal Rumble, where you're just like saying, fuck it, like, let's s- drop all the pretense of like, <laughs> you know, this being anything but what it is, it's just a lot of fun and cool stuff happening. And it's like, okay, I can respect that. Like, fuck it. Like, we don't need to be, like, the WWE Royal Rumble where we have to pretend like there's certain rules. Just let whatever fucking happens. The a clusterfuck. Things are allowed. So letting tag teams and stables join in and just completely changing the complexion of the match and just everything changes instantly when, like, four guys all come in together as a team. Like, perfect. Like, okay. So that made the match, like, flow a lot quicker and made things not as unbearable. Still not worth your time. Uh, Cologne versus Tremont. If you're super, not super. If you're invested in deathmatch wrestling history, if you're invested in Matt Tremont, if you're invested in Alex Cologne, watch this match. If you don't care about any of that stuff, unfortunately, it's not there. These guys, not these guys. Alex Cologne is is still hitting pretty hard in general. Matt Tremont is on the way out, and he, he
2: he's he's kind come of, He's by default like the best U.S. deathmatch guy yeah. still left. Yeah, I think.
1: Unfortunately. Unfortunately, that's where it's at, and it's not to say that he's bad, but it's just to say that there's nobody else who comes close. Um, and, yeah.
2: Yeah. Is, is G-Raver still gone? gone? Like,
1: when G-Raver comes back, he can take yeah. his crown, you know, and, and, and on his spot. But uh, but yeah, with him out, <laughs> and you know, Jimmy Lloyd talked about him earlier, but Jimmy Lloyd's not really working death matches anymore. Um, Schlack Schlack would be the guy, but he has never ascended to really take the crown. Like he just he, he sucks like he should be the top deathmatch guy but he just can't figure it out to have good matches
2: you know you know who it is like in like you know it all depends on him getting the opportunity to do it it's like it should it's AJ Gray he has a willingness to go out there and do that shit like like fuck it like do more like with AJ Gray like for real if if he has a willingness to go out there and do that shit he's not scared of it and he's embracing it then fucking book AJ Gray for all these for all the deathmatch tournaments I
1: mean if they were smart that's what they would do But we'll see where they go from there, because he's going to be busy. He's got multiple championships and a lot of bookings moving forward, so we'll see what he wants to do. But, yeah, I mean, if he's willing to do the the death matches and the death matches pay pretty well, why the fuck not? Um, Freelance wrestling slash freelance underground, I don't understand why they're different enough. They deserve different booking, and I didn't get any confirmation on this. Uh, I don't think we're in Chicago anymore. Um... What did you watch from this?
2: Uh, Isaiah versus Lee Moriarty and Kylie Ray versus Josh Alexander.
1: Okay. Um, this, I would say, is my worst Moriarty match of the weekend. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd agree. I don't know what it was, but Isaiah Velasquez is usually good. He, he was not here for this.
2: And and Lee, and, and Lee feels and worn out. Like he just had the he just had the Gresham of match. A lot of stuff
1: going on this weekend, so this is uh, definitely not. On his weekend, I, I feel like I may have seen other stuff from this show, but I don't remember anything else except for this. And then the main event, Kylie Ray versus Josh Alexander. This was, mm, this was good. I liked it. I. It
2: got it, it got good. I, I didn't like I didn't like the beginning, at first with, um, especially for the development that we the, the development that we had with Kylie's character to begin the year, where like she was realizing that people are like mean and nasty and that she does have to kind of turn up the mean side in order to get by here and i didn't like to see her reverting yeah. to that at least in freelance where like it seems like there was a clear change in how and how they presented kylie and her going back to doing cutesy innocent stuff but it got it got there eventually in the, in the, into what it should yeah. have been and
1: the fact that it's a place where she's the champion so she should at least be somewhat like have some kind of concept of what's going on, but I get you. And it did It eventually after they went past all of that, it definitely delivered. I thought that Josh did a really good job of being willing to sell, but also picking perfect spots to cut off. And he really showed a, um, a wrestling acumen that I think that gets overlooked for someone like Josh Alexander, especially now where he's thought of as like a, honestly, at this point, I think he's thought of as the second guy in a tag team with Ethan page, where for me, for the longest time, I thought of him as the, the better guy of the tag team. And a bigger single star. Um, but, you know, the retirement and being stuck in Canada stuff affected that to where I think he's now, you know, been downgraded. Um, but, yeah, like, the wrestling intelligence here. Um, Go ahead.
2: I was going to say, like, you know, like, just going back going back to the Kylie point, it's hard to watch Kylie and see what she did to Kobe Durst and see what she did to Robert Anthony and then watch her for like you know months later and now for some reason she wants to bring out headgear and be Josh Alexander's friend. Like I just watched you beat Robert Anthony to a right. pulp. I <laughs> think
1: that you would uh, have learned something. Here. Um but yeah, it's just like it is what it is. Um Black Label Pro threat level noon. What did you watch on this?
2: Uh Okay, um Shelly versus Henry, uh, Josh Alexander versus Layla Hirsch. Um, I think that's yeah. I think I think, that, I think that's it.
1: Um, that's the worthwhile stuff. Josh Alexander or er, uh, Henry versus Shelley was fantastic. You've got really the yes, right. indie babyface veteran top guy in Alex Shelley. He knows how to sell. He knows how to work. Uh, he knows how to put a match together against we talked about it the peaking best heel in the fucking business
2: this deceptively like these guys have been around for like the pretty much the amount like the Mm -hmm. same the same the same amount of time
1: both these guys have been wrestling forever both these guys are so fucking good i don't know if they've ever crossed paths before but they brought it here and they brought it exactly like you would hope for um i mean shelly is so good as a baby face like and this was a good chance for him to show it off. And he doesn't necessarily, as the, like, domineering heel or the domineering vet, it's, like, hard to be a domineering vet as a babyface, really. So a lot of times he's not necessarily being a heel, but he's not being, like, a clear babyface. And this was a match where he got to be just 100% babyface and, like, selling his ass off. He sold every fucking limb. He, like, picked the right arm, the left arm, the left leg, the right leg, everything. He was, like, constantly selling everything. He's selling the back throughout the match. so sold- He just sells his ass off from fucking tip to tail and it's just like super oppressive and then yeah again Anthony Henry like I don't know if I can be more like glowing coming out of this weekend from Anthony Henry I talked about the big three when it comes to like star power stuff but Anthony Henry comes out of here like looking like like I said the best fucking heel in North American wrestling you know and then you got Gresham who comes out of the weekend feeling like the best wrestler in the world and then you got Alex Shelley who's just like amazing veteran who just I don't know. This guy can do it all. He can do it all.
2: Um. Um. By any chance, did you wind up seeing any of the turbo the turbo wraps uh, yeah. tournament? Okay. Um. Are Shelly and are the, are the two big Shelly matches versus Isaiah and Kylie oh, worth going
1: course.
2: back to? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. you we'll just, we'll just making sure? I, I, I completely lot. forgot the turbo grabs was like was yeah. so recently. So that's yeah. what the, we'll sure the Shelly
1: and, and Kylie Ray matches. It's a little bit more lighthearted and fun, but then it gets serious. But uh, it's not the same way as the Josh Alexander match where it's, like, frustrating. It's just, like, a little bit, like, goofy in the beginning. But it it's definitely worth watching. Um, and,
2: yeah. I'm, 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 fine with, like I said, I'm fine with Kylie being that in Black Label Pro where, like, she didn't have a whole, like, philosophy change. And, like, you know, I, I worked so hard to get this championship and get it back and come back from whatever happened in AEW that I'm not letting anyone take this from me to yeah. then, you know, wanting to joke yeah. with Josh. Like, but, like, I'm fine, I'm fine with that in the context of, the context yeah. of Black Label Pro. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, this match, I mean, again, these are two of the best wrestlers in the world, honestly, these two. And they're opening up a fucking Black Label Pro show! I hate to get this upset, but it's like, Black Label Pro is the worst <laughs> fucking indie promotion on the planet. I don't fucking care what anyone says. Like, I hate Black Label Pro because they have shit like this and they present it as an opening title match. You know what I mean? And it's just like this is like this is main event level. These are the best fucking wrestlers in the world. Like there might be a title on the line here, but this should, it's just
2: This this should at least be this should at least be like pre like like yeah, the match before intermission or something where you
1: treat it like with any kind of respect. It's fucking bullshit that they open up with this because these are the two these are two of the best wrestlers in the world. Like I I say Grisham's the best person on the planet, but these guys are like neck and neck behind him. These guys are, both these guys are so fucking good. Um, Josh Alexander versus Layla Hirsch. This is what I was referencing when I said Josh Alexander's second best intergender match of the weekend. This is Alexander's best intergender match of the weekend as far as I'm concerned. What do you think? Yeah, for sure.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I like, me and you both really enjoy Layla Hirsch. I think most people that we talk to really enjoy Layla Hirsch. And I think that I don't like you know, not having to deal with like the goofy side of um of of, of Kylie and freelance and getting you know, to just go in there and just go crazy and be a bully here with Layla. It's exactly what I want Josh Alexander to be. And like that's what I fell in love with when I watched him versus uh Daniel Garcia last year in uh, in um in C four. Is that I, w- I would I want to see him just be this like commanding, domineering like Jock, he's a giant fucking dude he stands out in the context of this current wrestling landscape, he just he should be destroying people
1: ah, did you cut out? Oh, sorry. no, I didn't cut out <laughs> I thought you cut out, but you just stopped talking I apologize, yeah, I mean, and it's great even from, even if something as dumb as their gear, like like looks like jocks, looks like wrestling geeks, like you know not geeks, but like looks like wrestlers who know how to fucking grapple, kicking each other's asses. And you talked about Ki- Kylie going and getting the headgear, which is like the soup, like a really like superficial dumb thing to like do that as whatever. But like these two just look like they're in here to have a fucking a fight. They're they're in here to have a wrestling match and show off who is like the best at grappling. And they they deliver. Like the- Layla going from selling her ass off to transitioning into the big ass arm bar, flying arm bar, the fucking rampage bomb onto the knee. Like this is that premium Josh Alexander shit that I was just like fell in love with when I was like super into the walking weapon guy. And and when he went out, when he went out with that neck injury, it was like it was such a bummer for me because it was like one of the first times I got to see Josh Alexander live um, is when his neck got broken and then he retired, you know? And it was just like, I had been waiting so long for this guy who I fucking was in love with to be, you know, there wrestling in, in PWG and then for that to be where, like, he leaves and then he comes back off of that and he's come back and he's been really fucking good. I really liked when he initially came back when he was, like, this valiant baby face in, in a... Um, oh, Jesus Christ, what is Anthony... What's Ethan Page's promotion called? It's not C4, he's... Alpha, Alpha 1. Alpha, yeah. Alpha so 1. He came back in Alpha 1 and then he turned heel in Alpha 1, off of this fucking career-ending injury, and then he had these amazing, like, heel matches. It was so good, and then having him come back here, and it's like he hasn't missed a beat, and he's just so... Like, Josh Alexander, before he retired the first time, um, he was such a great babyface, and so believable as just a badass, walking tall, ass-kicker babyface, but he has gotten so good as a heel, that's why, like, this North... Like it's it's so good that the Monster Mafia are like rebranded as the North because Monster Mafia was to me was a, a babyface tag team. The North is not a babyface tag team. The North is Monster Heels.
2: Not yeah, not yeah, yeah not at all. The
1: Monster Heel tag team is so good and this match kicked ass. He made Layla Hurst like a million look like a million bucks. Um so yeah, great stuff here. Um, you said you didn't watch anything else on this show. Let me take a look. Uh
2: I think all this stuff is Bloodsport. Yeah,
1: Bloodsport Blood would be it. And then if you watched anything from Trap Soul, which I think maybe you didn't.
2: I, I, I did not know that was a thing yeah, until just that now. Was
1: the final show, Paradigm Pro. I'll just hit it real quick. Dominic Greeny versus Kevin Koo. Awesome. Uh, Flash Thompson versus Cole Radrick. Good for a storyline match based around the fact that Cole Radrick was injured. Unfortunately, he talked about it. It fucked up his weekend. Chase Holiday versus Sonico, really interesting match. If you're a Sonico fan, like if you know who Sonico is, he wrestled completely different. He was a hundred percent heel. He came out and he blew blood in Chase Holiday's face to open the match, and then was healed the whole way through. It was very interesting. Um, but yeah, like the only match that I would recommend watching: Kevin Koo versus Dominic Garini, Eric Stevens versus uh, Hoodfoot Mo Atlas was pretty good. Otherwise, you know, whatever. Uh, Clockwork Orange House of Fun match. I, I went out of my way to watch because I wanted to know, is Matt Justice washed? Is the Clockwork Orange House of Fun stipulation good? Because I remember liking it in TNA. And I will tell you, Matt Justice is washed. This guy is fucking done for. Don't watch his matches anymore. Clockwork Orange House of Fun. Eh. Verdict is still out. Judge, judgment has not been passed. It might be, it might be a bad gimmick. Uh, but I'm not 100%. Um, Bloodsport. Let's talk about it. Quentin?
2: Get okay. It. I saw um, Tankman versus Alexander James. Lawler versus Homicide. Davy Boy Smith versus Josh Alexander. And John Moxley versus Chris Dickinson. Um, let me hit the ones that I saw. Uh, Calvin Tankman versus Alexander James. I could see some people not really liking it because they spend so much time on the ground, and I can see people feeling like, feel like nothing got accomplished um, and just biding time. But I like the idea of James having to weather of the storm of this much bigger guy smothering him on the ground and just trying to pick his pick and find his spots. And then once they stood up, James had no chance striking with Tankman, and I liked uh, I liked the idea there. Uh, Tom Oliver's Homicide, really fun. Um, just for everything that we know, Tom Lawler is uh, as far as his legit legitimacy, credibility, and in the setting like this, and how good he can be in it. Homicide was the wild card, and I thought Homicide was a really fun and entertaining, and was like when they did like Nick Gage on this on this show. I think he's a better version of what they wanted yes. Nick Gage to be. Um. I think you know homicide being like fucking i'm gonna do a fireball or attempt to do a fireball is way better to me than just gauge being gauge and doing him versus Thatcher to pay off a five year meme like I'll, I'll i'm way more interested in that and i thought that was super fun davy boy smith versus josh alexander was like a squash and i was really confused by that like i don't know did you feel that way too uh
1: yeah i was kind of sh- i was definitely shocked by that
2: yeah I I was surprised considering that these are like the two biggest people on the show I mean other than um, I guess Mox and Dickinson Eric Hammer but like very these are big. two
1: actually Eric Hammer and Kyle Jackson are huge
2: yeah I forgot, I forgot, I forgot but, like, these are two big guys and I thought that Davey and him would have had a little bit more uh, back and forth considering the kind of uh, amateur wrestling background Josh Alexander gives off and Davy Boy Smith's background in, in Max martial arts training but Davey Boy just kind of ate him up and it wasn't bad or anything I was just like Jesus Christ like that's not what I expected at all um and then Moxley versus Dickinson I think as good as a Dickinson match can be in this setting Moxley continues to be good anywhere you plug him in whether that's TV wrestling main event wrestling uh straight up stuff stuff with heel bullshit uh, more shoot more shoot inspired stuff um, gimmick stuff in New Japan when, when, when our Suzuki this guy has continued to prove out leave, after leaving WWE that he can do anything and thrive in anything I
1: would the only thing I would say is ju- just the thing that um, the Killer Cross Mox uh, shoot style match was better slightly as yeah a, for sure for a shoot style match um as a wrestling match in general, maybe this was better. Um, I actually I would say I enjoyed this more. So yes, this was better. But when you talk about like in this context, could it be? It, it was the best thing you could do. I guess maybe if you like are going to push the boundaries of what that means, then yes. Um, Grim versus Matt McHouse. Here's what I'll say across the board um, for someone who loves like shoot style wrestling and especially I even really like modern shoot style and like tournament shoot style wrestling um like especially like ambition I love every year every match on the show is too long there's not a single match here except for maybe homicide and Lawler, that I wouldn't say you could cut some you could trim some fat on like every match on the show otherwise is too long um Grisham versus Matt Mikowski is good. Or not Grisham. Grim versus Matt Makowski. Grisham versus Matt Makowski would be much better. Um, Grim versus Matt Mikowski, good. Allison Kay versus Killer Kelly, awesome. Um, honestly, I would say that would be, like, one of the only matches that you didn't watch that I would say go back for.
2: Um, Killer, Killer, I mean, uh, Allison Kaye. I like um And Lindsay Snow for that. But like, like the, they've been both, like, iffy for me in this setting, and I like Allison Kay. Like outside of this, but whenever she's been on Bloodsport, I haven't been like the most enthused right. with her. So that w- that was that was the reason why I skipped. But like obviously, I love Kelly and Layla, and I would have liked to see like them. Yeah, what they should
1: have done was Killer Kelly and Layla Hirsch win and have them be the main event or the finals of the women's tournament. But whatever, they went the opposite way.
2: You know, they're 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 the they're the NXT. Uh, the, I think uh, no, I think uh, Kelly Kelly's the NXT UK person, and Layla is you know still around. And you know, these are the you know Allison K and Lindsay are the are there yeah, are there people for sure. Like,
1: um, yeah, uh, Lindsay and Layla was was fine, but not as good. Um, it's definitely you could watch it, but it wasn't great. My biggest issue with Calvin Tankman versus James was not even necessarily anything with the match, but just that um. Watching it, I felt like Tankman would have been presented better in the Ambition setting. Just because Ambition has done such okay. a better job with big men like him. You know? And. Uh, yeah, I, I th- yeah, I think so that's fair. That was like the only thing that, that hurt it for me. Um, but I get where you were coming from, where like they kind of told a story that made sense. I just. I just. I feel like they've done such a better job of protecting big men in, in the shoot style setting. Because there's so much mat work. A guy his size shouldn't be rolling on the mat as much um as he was here um but you know whatever that's just how the match ended up eric hammer versus cal jack honestly worth watching and i'm not a huge fan of either guy um but it was two big motherfuckers they felt like they were in the right weight class like a lot of the shoot style matches don't have the feeling of two guys who make sense against each other um, two guys who have legitimate backgrounds, who definitely are in there feeling like they know what they're doing. And, uh, and they really fucking brought it in a way that was, like, legitimate like and felt like it made sense. Um, that said, if you're not someone who appreciates grappling, if you don't like amateur wrestling, if you don't like MMA, like, you might not enjoy this as much as I did. But for me personally and me talking to you, like, Quentin, my co-host, like... This is one to check out. These guys kicked each other's ass and they had a fight that looked like a combination of like a shoot grappling competition and a professional wrestling match. So, it was worth watching.
2: I'm, 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 surprised, I'm surprised that that got an endorsement from you, but yeah, I'll keep that in mind. Give
1: it a watch. Um, Homicide and Lawler, my only issue with the match, and I loved it for the most part, my only issue, the fucking stomps on the head were too brutal to not call the match. Like, I'm sorry, but I know that Waller was supposed to win, but it got to a point where it really makes the referee look like he has no credibility. When you don't call a match when you have someone getting stomped, ruthlessly stomped on the head, for four or five just unanswered strikes, you know what I mean? And that's just coming from in, yeah. you
2: know, and and Dana and Dana White's words, some Mazagatti exactly. level shit.
1: Like, unfortunately, when I watch something like this that's presented as shoot style. I'm thinking MMA, and when I think of MMA, you can't stomp somebody on the head like that. You know, that's just... It's too brutal, and that is just... Like, the the mat, the, the fight has to be called. So that, that would be my only issue. And again, that's coming from Homicide. So Homicide doesn't have that background to understand. Homicide pours bleach down people's throats. He doesn't understand that you're <laughs> not allowed to do stuff like that. You know, like, th- that doesn't... Com-
2: I'm to I tried to, tried to yeah, fireball exactly. somebody. Yeah. Like, so like
1: To me, in the context, it doesn't make sense. Um, otherwise, whatever. Josh Alexander versus uh, David Boy Smith. I honestly had a weirdly opposite feeling on this, which is that I get where you're coming from, but Josh Alexander does not have a legitimate background. He wears headgear, but he never did amateur wrestling. He, he, he's not necessarily... like So for me... To have Josh Alexander who wants who wants to present himself as that guy, who wants to act like
2: he... You see, it's like it it is it, Davy Boy Smith beating up like yes, beating up a exactly. phony.
1: So it makes sense that he kind of got dropped okay. out. And if this is a storyline where you go from here to where Josh needs to prove himself and build himself up, it could be really good. But just for me watching it, knowing the backgrounds of the two guys, I go like Josh was coming in here, and he's kind of like a phony he's a paper tiger he tries to present himself like this but he's going up against a guy who has the legitimate credentials and that's why he gets ate up and he gets fucking killed because he's going up against not just a guy who has more training than him but also a guy who has more size on him like david boy smith is bigger david boy smith has been training for a lot longer so of course that's why he's going to get ate up so to me it makes sense um the women's final again I don't want to judge it. I liked it. I, I like Allison K personally. I like Allison K not just in professional styling, but I think that she's good in shoot style. Um that said, I think if you had switched this and had the losers facing each other as the winners, it would have been better. Clearly. Main event, Dickinson Moxley. It rolled. I mean My only issue with this would be that and this is like super light, would be that like you have homicide already in here. And he's going, like, almost full bore, like, mixing CZW style into deathmatch or into shoot style. Um, and I think that you could have made it feel better if it was Moxley doing that. I said deathmatch because I was thinking about uh, Takeda versus Gresham, where they yeah, was yeah, yeah. like, the only match that felt like you were mixing the deathmatch style into the shoot style thing. And that, like, if you had Moxley being the only guy who had, like, deathmatch background... In the in the shoot style tournament, and that was the only match that had like fighting outside of the ring and like going a little bit harder. Then it would have made this feel even better. But I think that it doesn't really matter because Moxley is the biggest star in America. You know what I mean? Like Moxley is the A.
2: Yeah, like 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 yeah, like pretty yeah. clearly too. Like it's like you know, especially as WWE just continues to get worse and worse every year. Like it's clear, like oh yeah, like all the concern about John Moxley like no he's he's the biggest yeah. star in wrestling which right now which
1: is really cool because i spent all of that time talking about him on podcasts about how he could be the biggest star in wrestling and how he hits all these weird demographics that no one else can ever hit and should be the guy and then to see it happening just makes me so fucking happy because i'm just like i knew that this guy had it and he does because he's the man in AEW but he can also show up here and work a shoot style match against Chris Dickinson and he's still the fucking man. And it's not, it doesn't feel out of place because he is, he, he worked this match and he felt a hundred percent on par with Chris Dickinson when it came to grappling on the mat, going back and forth. Nothing was too over the top technical. Nothing was like crazy ambitious. They just went at it and they, ha- they told a, a really super basic story, which is like just a fight between two guys who were muscled up fucking like monsters and they kicked the shit out of each other but yeah i just i liked that like this was the only match that had a bunch of stuff happening outside of the ring <laughs> i like that moxley has fucking barbed wire on his on his gear <laughs> like again it just plays into like he's a deathmatch guy but he also likes to do shoot style like it it works
2: uh i anything else right here
1: great weekend honestly um
2: Other than the COVID,
1: COVID and the fact that everything felt the same, the production was lame, the the building sucked, the crowd was dead, but there was a lot of good wrestling. There was a lot of stuff to enjoy coming out of the weekend. Um, It was just like, you know, I thought that there was, I liked this, and I think that it would have been better on WrestleMania weekend because you had a lot of stuff that felt like unique and specifically like this promotion is putting on their show here. Um, but unfortunately everything just got overridden. like as much as you could have like a unique feeling for your show it just gets completely overridden by the fact that you're all in the same building with the same shitty lighting and the same shitty ring so nothing could really look different even if on paper the shows were completely different.
2: Right. Um, I agree with everything you said there. Um, I know. It just makes me interested to see, well, how companies try to start running now after the collective was able to get this out of the way. And, like, obviously that doesn't mean everything is super safe. You know, we had an outbreak happen, and it wasn't handled the best by the promotion that is the head of the collective. But if we have promotions that will try to be safer, try to be smarter, um... And there's people on the horizon that I still want to. I don't want to. See, I don't want to see lose that momentum. I want to see Lee Moriarty and AJ Gray and Calvin Tankman keep that momentum going. So I guess for their sake, I I'm, I want to see how the US Indies respond post Collective and how they try to start running shows. At this point, uh, Black Label Pro has taken initiative and they've run then they've run shows. I think three or four since. Since um since uh, since people try to start wrestling again and I'm gonna see I want to see if guys are able to keep their momentum or if COVID and the outbreak during the weekend will yeah, scare I them off. Not. I'm
1: with you. Um otherwise, yeah, I don't know. Quentin, do you wanna sign out or you want me to sign
2: out? Um I just released a Psychology is Dead episode with uh, Joseph Montecilio. I think at Joseph Weirdness on Twitter talking about the art of adjustment and people in in wrestling companies and wrestlers adjusting during this COVID time period. And also more um, in-depth talking about this era of how do you... Uh, how do you keep being a wrestling fan with everything that's been going on in the world and how do you keep watching wrestling and I feel like we had a good conversation there I haven't got much feedback on it so if anyone hasn't listened to it I'd love to get some feedback on it but uh just check the we don't know wrestling podcast network and you'll see the latest psychology of that episode
0: with Joseph. to put you in the worst mood, uh, P1 cleaner than your church shoes, uh, belly point two just to hurt you, uh, all red lamp just to tease you, uh, none of these toys only two, uh, made your whole year. If I kill any pain (laughs) Look what you got I'm a motherfucking star boy Look what you I'm a motherfucking star boy Every day a nigga try to test me Every day a nigga try to end me Pull off in that roadster S Pockets overweight and hefty. I'm coming for the king, that's a far cry. I, I come alive in the fall time. I, the competition, I don't really listen. I'm in the blue moon, song a new edition. How so empty, need a centerpiece. 20 racks a table, come from every. I kill any pain, <laughs> like <what you> done. <laughs> I'm a motherfucking star baby. Nigga, bracket pit, legend of the fall, took the year like a bandit Bob, mama a crib and a brand new wagon Now she hit the grocery shop, lickin' lavish Star Trek, groove in the Wraith, the con Girls get loose when they hear the song 100 on the dash, get me close to God We don't pray for love, we just pray for cause House so empty, need a centerpiece 20 racks a table, come from ebony Cut that ever into skinny pieces Then she clean up with her face, when I love my baby you Talking money, need a hearing. You talking about me, I don't see a shade. Switch out my side like to get any. Me-